In the year 2455, on a routine training mission, a team of students is about to discover a life form frozen in time. Wow. They're on their way back. Prepare for docking and power the lab. You brought him on board? Everything's under control, man. He's an unstoppable killing machine. Guys, it's okay. He just wanted his machete back. How do we get off the ship? I don't know. Look, we're gonna be all right. What? Are you high? Uh-oh. <gasps> He's here. You have got to get them out of there. They slap me. I think we're finally okay. is that? You've got to be kidding me. Oh, wow. He's been modified. Oh, you think? You guys might want to run. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cinecall Podcast. I am your host, Cordell. Joining me again is our lovable, eccentric co-host, Lucas. This sucks on so many levels. Oh boy. What's and up, folks? T- tonight, we are bringing you... Probably one of the most interesting reviews. Yeah, we suckered we suckered Cordell once again into watching a Friday the thirteenth movie. Tonight even we though have... we're like a month after Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. Actually we are. <laughs> we have no sense of time. It's gonna uh, be we... Monday the thirteenth. My God. And then Thursday the thirteenth. Uh we are watching Jason X tonight, but before we get into that, as usual, we got some news and what have you been watching? So go ahead and take us away, Lucas. Yeah, so we, we split it up because Cordell doesn't have shit for what he's been watching, and I don't have shit for news. So <laughs> I'm going to do the what you've been watching, and Cordell will do the news. All right, so just a couple things. Um, I was very fortunate enough to get to go see Assault on Precinct 13, the John Carpenter 1976 movie in the theater the other week. Um, Have you seen this one, Cordo? I have not. But hopefully you you know of it. Oh, yeah. Usually these movies you mention, I know of them. I've just never watched them. Um, yeah, so I got to go see that on the big screen, which was a lot of fun. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's John Carpenter's. It's not his first movie, but for all intents and purposes, it is his first one. Dark Star, I think, is more of like a college movie. Um, but yeah, what a kick ass, grimy little action film, Cordell. I mean, it's uh, 
the gangs are loose in Los Angeles, and so we follow a um, a cop who, uh, who's he's a lieutenant, and it's his first night on the job, and he has to basically like babysit this uh, precinct that's being shut down because uh, they're moving locations to a new one. So there's only like a skeleton crew there, you know, they don't have any uh, phone lines or anything. And uh, basically, at the same time, these like uh, gangs are running rampant. And to make a long story short, they end up uh, basically assaulting the the precinct, which uh, also has like a bunch of prisoners there. And uh, it becomes kind of like a Night of the Living Dead sort of siege movie. And uh, yeah, I mean, John Carpenter, man, just comes out of the gate like full force. The score is amazing. I encourage everyone to go look that up. It's a great um Great soundtrack. I mean, it's it's got a lot of dark um, his kind of dark, cynical humor. You know, you see a lot of escape from New York in this movie uh, with like the cops and uh, criminals who have to team up to, um, you know, beat back the horde or like kind of making snarky, like dark humor kind of remarks as they do so. And uh, yeah, I mean, just excellently directed, just a fantastic little little movie. Uh, which I think is getting a 4K release soon, which is pretty cool. Well, I know what's going in your collection then. Yeah, I do try to keep up with the Carpenter stuff. Yeah, I Way too much money to uh, Scream Factory for that. Yeah, I never get the 4Ks simply because my TV doesn't have like a 4K screen. So I just don't deal with it because like, why spend that kind of money on something that's not going to really pop? Yeah, I try to really limit it with the 4Ks to stuff that, like, I only like. Like, um, on the last sale, I got Halloween and Halloween 2 on 4K, but I basically was like, this is the last time I'm ever buying Halloween and Halloween 2. You know what I mean? <laughs> a lie detector test determined that was a lie. No, it really is. I'm sick of owning these movies. There's nothing else you can put on these discs. It's amazing how many people that I see like post their Halloween collections and they'll show their movies and they've got like 20 copies of the original Halloween. They'll yeah, have- the, the real bitch with that one is the special features, because even the new like three disc Scream Factory doesn't have all of the uh, like commentaries and stuff. It is so crazy. But I, I actually think no good. And it's and it's not just you know having the special features. Sometimes they got twenty copies because they got the German release, the Japanese release, the Italian release. Oh yeah, well those people are nuts. The only reason I would ever buy a movie twice is <laughs> okay, for the let's um, not special features. Um, like for example, a good example is the, the slasher movie just before dawn, right? Has a new Blu-ray release of good picture quality, but the old two disc DVD has like an entire documentary and commentary that is not on the Blu-ray. So, you know, that's a good example of you should hold on to the, um, the older release, but Hey, if people, if people want to spend their money and get 50 copies of Halloween, more power to them, you know? More power. But all right. Uh, the other thing I watched, Cordell, is Shudder had their Joe Bob Briggs Valentine's Day special on Friday. Ooh, Joe Bob Briggs. I know you love that stuff. I do, which I tuned into. First movie was Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. Have you heard of this one? 
Phantom of the Mall. Yep. Why do I feel like I have heard of that before? This movie was super interesting. It's uh, So it's basically the Phantom of the Opera story, but it takes place in the late 80s entirely in a shopping mall. And so the basic premise is that there's this um, this teenager who basically his house was burned down by the evil mall developers and <laughs> he escaped to the tunnels under the mall and now lives there like pining for his lost girlfriend who now like works in the mall. So is this literally like a modern spoof on Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, it literally is. And so he start, he basically goes around like killing all the people who run the mall while, while also giving his girlfriend like flowers and stuff. And uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of fun. It's a lot of it's got a lot of good cheesy 80s slasher deaths, you know, um, the makeup effects are pretty good and it doesn't take itself too seriously. There's a lot of like dumb humor. But, yeah, I mean, a thoroughly enjoyable time, really. And then the second movie, this part blew my mind. So the whole shtick of this special, right, is um, Joe Bob was going to marry this couple in Las Vegas. <laughs> so, the, if, you know, the, throughout the movie, they keep, like, cutting back to them, like, prepping them. And uh, the second movie that they got married during was Necromantic. Have you that, heard of this one? No, I have not. But that doesn't sound. Hey, that's. I know a neck. Wait, necromantic. Necromantic. Yeah, it's a late '80s German kind of uh, shot on tape. I don't think it's actually shot on tape. A very low budget movie about necrophilia. Ooh. <laughs> and man, this movie is gnarly, dude. I mean, I know this is this is one of those that always gets like talked about, you know, up with like Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, I'm sorry. Every time someone uses the words necro, I want to finish it say Namacon. <laughs> but yeah, man, what a what a disturbing uh, but very artfully done like movie. But yeah, you got you got you know sex scenes with a. With a rotting corpse, you know, you got real animal death on camera, which, you know, automatically pisses off most of the people watching it. Clearly, clearly a suitable film for Valentine's Day. I know, right? So they'd like pause the movie and it cut to Joe Bob in the wedding chapel talking about necrophilia. (laughs) And I was just like, this is amazing. I would probably get up and walk out of that wedding. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man. But uh yeah, I mean it definitely was a it was an interesting choice. And I don't know I, I, I kind of wasn't paying my full amount of attention to necrophilia or necromantic. Because <laughs> you know, it was I think it was like two in the morning by the time it ended. But uh yeah, just a just a weird little interesting movie party kind of night, Friday night. Hmm. So that is what I have been watching. Well, I got some news. I don't have any what have I been watching. I've just been kind of dead around the house lately, trying to job hunt and everything. But I do got some news here if you're interested. Hit me. All right. So Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. are returning for a new sequel to I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, they're actually returning for it, are they? Uh, the article here states, 
In the wake of the Amazon short-lived TV series, Deadline reports that Sony Pictures is bringing I Know What You Did Last Summer back with a brand new sequel. The biggest news? Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr., who starred in the original 90s slasher, are in talks to reprise their roles for the new movie. They want that Jamie Lee Curtis money. Jennifer Caton Robinson uh, of the film Do Revenge has been brought on board to direct the film. With, uh, let's see, insiders say the project is still in early development, that Neil H. Moritz is in talks to return as producer with Leigh McKendrick on board to write the script. Um, they don't really mention Halloween. They say that they are, but they do bring up the re- the recent success of the Scream franchise. Sounds like this one will be taking on the trendy legacy sequel approach with returning characters mixed in with fresh faces. Uh, Jim... Jim Galepsi, I mm. think that's how you pronounce that name, directed the original I Know What You Did Last Summer in 1997, written by Kevin Williamson, based on the Lois Duncan's novel. Okay, so I've never seen I Know What You Did Last Summer, but my mom mm. does own that novel, and I did read it. Yeah, I read the novel, too, a very long time ago, and remember it being pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the movies. I know they're pretty highly regarded in, like, the Scream vein. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's cool, I guess. The film, you know? sp- the film spawned sequels in 98 and 2006. Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. only came back for that first sequel. In the original movie, four young friends bound by a tragic accident are reunited when they find themselves stalked by a hook-wielding maniac, which basically is just the Gordon's Fisherman. Yes, he is called the Fisherman, I think, in like all the, uh, you know, like promo materials and such. Didn't uh, didn't the original I Know What You Did Last Summer, didn't that have. Uh... Oh, who's that actress that Freddie Prince Jr. is married to? Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yes. Didn't wasn't she in that one, too? I think so. Yes. I'll be honest, I really don't know. Like I said, I've never seen the I Know What You Did Last Summer movies. Because the only thing I know Jennifer Love Hewitt from is she was in the Texas Chainsaw reboot. And then if you asked, if you came up to me and said, hey, name something with Freddie Prince Jr. or Sarah Michelle Gellar, I'm going to I'm going to look at you and say, what, Scooby-Doo? No, that's you're thinking of uh, Jessica Biel in the Texas Chainsaw reboot. I thought Jennifer Love Hewitt was in one of the Texas Chainsaw movies. I don't think so. Hold nah. Hold on. Let me... Nah, you're thinking of Jessica Biel. Jennifer Love Hewitt. I mean, that's cool. I mean, you know, it's always good to good to get more of these uh, franchises. So, you know, good for the I Know What You Did Last Summer folks. I mean, if it brings it back into the, uh, you know, if it brings it back into, like, you know, the mainstream. Yeah, I mean, I think it's similar to, like, Scream and Halloween made a lot of money. So we're seeing all the all the stuff is coming out of the woodwork. Oh, I guess you're right. I'll admit it. I was wrong. 
Happens I, to uh, the best of us. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at her filmography here. She was in Sister Act 2. Yeah. I've seen that movie. I don't remember her in that. Why, why have you seen that movie? Well, I saw it because it was the sequel to Sister Act. I actually liked the first Sister Act movie. That was back before, you know, Whoopi Goldberg was crazy. I I don't think I would ever willingly watch a Whoopi Goldberg movie, but, you know. Well, there's actually a few of them I've seen that I liked, but we won't talk too much about that. Um, What else was she in? The Tuxedo with Jackie Chan. Again, I don't remember her in that. She was in the two Garfield movies. You. All right, let's move on to the next news item. The more well, you talk. Hold on, hold on. What is this? <laughs> what is this? I got to figure out what this is. In 2012, she was in an independent comedy called Jutopia. You. That sounds bad. Okay. Um. Anyhow, moving on from the I Know What You Did Last Summer. I don't know. You ever want to probably do that series or at least the first one? Yeah, that would be interesting. I'd be down. Um, And then the only thing I got for news is uh, keep an eye out on YouTube this February 14th, Valentine's Day, because the official um, movie... The fan film Valentine's Bluffs, which is a fan film based on My Bloody Valentine, will be making its debut. Oh, is it? That's awesome. Uh, you want to hear the synopsis for the movie? Yeah, hit, hit me. I don't know very much about this one. After the horrific events that took place in Valentine Bluffs, TJ and Sarah struggle to move on with their lives in a new town. Circumstances force TJ to move back to his hometown where he tries to start a new life. Forty years pass, and the town of Valentine's Bluffs have all but forgotten the names of of Axel Palmer and Harry Warden. The next generation is getting ready to celebrate the big Valentine's Day dance. All seems well until an ominous figure wielding a pickaxe appears, leaving a trail of carnage and blood behind. Did they actually get the uh, original actors? I... Don't know. There's not really a whole lot for the movie yet on the IMDb page. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know why there's not a whole lot. Usually by now, this thing would be like lit. Um, I know they had like uh, like they teamed up with like Fright Rags or something, right? For oh, yeah, sure. Something I- like that. They teamed up with uh, Fright Rags to release some stuff, some T-shirts. My Bloody Valentine has been getting a serious, you know, resurgence in pop culture. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean, I know they've they've come out with, like, the board game and, uh, you know, stuff like uh, stuff like that, so... There's not really a whole lot here. I'm not like I'm looking at the I'm looking at the cast and there's how, really do you, not Do you know how long the movie is? Um I'm trying to 
here's the thing is I don't usually look at IMDb much, so it's kind of hard to. Here, I'm taking a look. Let's see here. Thank you for watching. But I don't see a whole lot. I don't recognize any names on the cast from the original. Well, I mean, I'll definitely check it out. I mean, it sounds, I think I saw the trailer a while ago and it looked pretty promising. So, yeah, sounds like a good time. Yeah, I'm I'm looking. I don't see a time limit on it. I guess we'll just, I guess we'll just have to wait till it drops on YouTube and then look at the time counter. I see they did get Lloyd Kaufman in as a uh, cameo. He's the mayor, apparently. I don't know. I'm really, I'm really excited for it. They got a guy who was in the 2009 remake. Who? They got Richard John Walters, who played Harrod Warden in the remake. Um, he was. Oh, you see, I usually don't uh, think about the remake a whole lot. Oh, I like the remake. Oof. I think we're going to fight about that one. The remake is fine. It's fine, but I've got... The remake is a fun slasher film, dude. It's got some good kills. It's got Tom uh, Atkins. How about this? How about I, like, mediate with you here? The remake is fine, and while it's not as good as the original, it's a lot better than most of the slasher remakes that came out in the early 2000s. Oh yeah, I mean I I put it a hundred percent like above. Like it's I'm a trying... lot, like it's a lot better than the remake of Prom Night. Yeah, I mean I I would go as far just off the top of my head. I feel like it's a better movie than the Friday and the Elm Street remakes. What about the two thousand five movie The Fog? Oh yeah, I'm sure it's better than that. <laughs> At least it's rated R. That movie's not even R rated, I don't think. Oof. But, yeah, I, I like the remake. I'm not going to – I mean, look, the original was a really good slasher film. I know you're you're a big, big fan of the original. I will but, you know. Dick. <laughs> I think uh, I think the remake is perfectly fine. You know, it's it's a solid, solid little movie. But, yeah, the uh, that short uh, fan film, that sounds good. You know, I'm I'm excited for it. So go check it out, guys. All right. Well, are you ready to get into Jason X? Oh, am I ready? I guess so. Are we going to outer space? Is Jason joining the Leprechaun and Pinhead? Well, let's I don't know about Leprechaun, but let's face it. The when Pinhead went to space, the movie ended with them killing Pinhead for good. And we're going to talk about it, but I think they really do that with Jason in this movie. What? No, they don't. What are you talking about? I think they do. Th- uh, did well, you not see the last scene in the movie? I did, and I didn't see a body. Wait, are you saying they did kill Jason or they didn't? I think they did kill Jason. Like, I think we'll get into it. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. Yeah, let's get into Jason X. So Jason X came out. In April of 2002 in the United States, it was made on a budget of 14 million and it only boxed off as 17 million. So this movie did not make dick back. Uh, 
this is also this is also the first this is also the i mean not the first this is the last friday the 13th film to have kane hodder in the jason role but hey they would get more kane hodder in this movie than the last one um this movie stars kane hodder lexa doig lisa ryder chuck campbell melissa aid peter manesh melody johnson uh, this movie stars Kane Hodder and a whole lot of people you never saw again. <laughs> uh, actually, um, we have a uh, cameo appearance by David Cronenberg. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that in like two seconds. And we also, you might recognize this one, Todd Farmer's in this movie, too. Yeah, I thought it was him. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Todd Farmer. And do you know where I know Todd Farmer from, uh, Let me guess. My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. So I'm like, that's the bald dude who was with the hooker. Didn't he also uh didn't he also write my bloody Valentine 3D? Yeah, and he wrote this movie too, right? Yep, and he was also behind the 2011 action movie Drive Angry with Nick Cage. Yeah, that, and then he kind of like vanished off the face of the earth for a little th- bit. That that is a fun movie, Drive Angry. Oh, I've never seen it. I hear good things though. I revisited it a few years ago and I was like, this is really fucking fun. Um, it, but yeah, basically what you said, Kane Harder and a shit ton of people who don't really ever pop up again. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because some of them are entertaining. But thank God Cordell is pretty good about the actors because I got to tell you folks, I could not keep any of these people straight. Um, you want to know why we probably don't know a lot of these actors? Because they're freaking Canadians. They're Canadians, and they've all been in stuff that I usually don't watch. Like, um, the two women that play Rowan and KM14, they mm-hmm. were, uh, actresses in the TV show Andromeda. I think the uh the guy who was KM's uh like creator or boyfriend, he's in another sci-fi show, I think. He's in Stargate. So at That's... least they, they got their sci-fi people. And uh the guy that plays uh Brodsky, he was in like well it shows here he was in movies like Tears of the Sun, Hidalgo, Three Hundred, and he was really big in those Spartacus sh- uh shows. Yeah, he's the one guy I was like, I know I've seen this dude before and stuff. Okay, so we got some people here. But yeah, not not big names, you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, exactly. But uh Wait. oof. I'm I'm looking at the I'm going to probably come to this cast list a lot just so I can help you remember the names of the characters. Yeah, it's uh it's tough. The na- the names in this movie are so hard, dude. Besides Brodsky, like dude, I swear we'll get into it, but I swear they don't tell the say the professor's name till like an hour into the movie. Well, I mean, I always I mean, KM14, that's easy to remember. Yeah, her and Brodsky, but, like, I think, uh, what the fuck is her guy's name? I don't even know. It's, his name is spelled all stupid, too, if you look on IMDb. 
Though there's one guy, um, there was there was one guy, uh, not one guy, uh, like our main actress in this movie, the one that was supposed to be following Rowan. Do they ever say her name in the movie? Yeah, uh, David Cronenberg does. Okay. Oh my gosh, I just I just saw her full name, La Fontaine. I actually know a woman named La Fontaine. It's that uh that damn Canadian French. Uh all right. Should we get into it, Cordell? Yeah, let's I'm sure the audience is, I'm I'm pretty sure our audience is like, would you guys just get into it already? If you're not sick of us just bullshitting by now, then I don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> All right, so Jason X, let's get into this. You know, I'm hoping I'm I'm feeling pretty meh at the moment. You know, I'm hoping this conversation will help me come to a consensus on this movie. So we're we're gonna let's go through it. So Jason X picks up, and you know it's the sequel to Jason Goes to Hell because Cordell, we start off in what looks like hell. And I was like, what the fuck? I don't remember this at all. Yeah. Oh, actually, uh, before we uh, get into the actual, like, opening credits, can we talk about the fucking DVD menu? Oh, the music? That's the what credit the music, isn't it? What was that? <laughs> oh, it's the okay. uh, end credits music, isn't it? Ugh, now that I got that out of my system. So we open up in hell, or at least what we think is hell, but it's really just Jason's mind. Yeah, this is a weird opening. I didn't I don't get the point of doing this because, yeah, we start off of like literally in hell with like fire and brimstone. But then like we get all these bad CGI. Yeah, terrible CGI, like zooming shots through like Jason's brain and it zooms out to his eye. And you're like, oh, this is this is Jason's head as like a doctor is like injecting his head and stuff. But it just kind of goes on. And like, I don't know, it didn't make much sense to me. Did you see who did the uh, special effects for this movie? No, I didn't catch that. It was a company called Toyland or something. No. And boy, do these effects look cheap. Oh, I was going to say some of the effects later on, I think, look pretty good. Yeah, later on, but I'm talking about this opening. But yeah, this opening is just and Freddy versus Jason, I think does this exact same opening. Do you remember that, Cordell? Don't we go through like Freddy's mind or something like. I think we did. I don't know. It's kind of like it, it was just this thing like Fight Club or something like this. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a weird kind of. Because it starts off in hell, but then Jason X appears and I'm like, is that really how you want to do your sci fi movie? But. Anyway, yeah, let's just uh, break it down for the audience. This is not a horror movie. This is a sci-fi slasher. There is nothing horrifying in this movie. Unless you count some of the dialogue. (laughs) So uh, so we open up on the once we get through that very confusing CGI mess, we open up in a poorly lit warehouse, which Hmm. the on-screen text tells us is the Crystal Lake Research Facility. Pretty pretty unimpressive facility, huh? I know. I think there's two people working there. (laughs) And uh, we see, we cut right to our main man, Jason Voorhees, and he's all chained up on, like, a pillar. 
And uh, what do you think of Jason's look for the first half of this movie, Cordell? Um, you know, I've always gone with it. I, it, it's weird. It's really weird when it comes to Jason's look in this movie because it, it's almost like they're trying to move away from that zombie type look that he had from, you know, movies six through nine. Mm-hmm. And they try to just kind of make him a malformed human again, but with superhuman regener- regenerative abilities. Yeah, I like like I like his like clothes. Like I like how he's got like this like tattered like leather jacket on, and like um, I like the mask, even though I I don't think it has the red marks on it. The one thing I don't like though, Cordell, uh, it has one red mark. It's got it's kind of like the Jason Lives mask, where it's got the one like forehead chevron. Oh, uh, okay. The yeah, one I thing like the mask, I like the shape of it. Like it's not, it's kind of cool to not like deal with like the round like old style hockey mask this time yeah it's a cool the only thing i don't like about his first look here is i hate that they gave him like a full head of hair i don't like that uh it's, yeah i thought that was just kane hotto's actual hair <laughs> kane's like i'm not i'm not wearing the hood this time guys i didn't like that they gave him a choker well because they got him chained up yeah, I know, but like when he breaks free, is he? You know, he's kinky, Jason. Well, this is a kinky movie. <laughs> it really is. Like we're gonna get into it. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I like I like his look. I think he's pretty cool, and they do explain it away because um, pretty quickly we meet Rowan. Can I ask you something though? What's up? They've literally got him chained, right? Oh, <laughs> how does he do it? Well, no. So they have got him chained. He is wearing a jacket, but it looks like his jacket. It looks like they literally like took nails or bolts or something and like bolted them to his actual flesh or something. Well, I mean, that makes sense because we find out he is like, you know, he just regenerates and they've tried killing him like 20 different ways. I mean, this opening is kind of bullshit, though. Well, actually, so Jason's tied up there, right? And we got and this young got guy watching him. Did you think that guy looked like Eli Roth? I kind of thought he did. I don't know. I thought he was pretty stupid, though, to uh... hold on. I think we got. I think I got the character here. In the credits, he's listed as soldier number one, Private Sam Johnson. Whatever. It, yeah, so Private Johnson walks up to Jason with like a blanket and he, what's he say? He's like, look at this yeah, for a while. while. You ugly bastard. Yeah, he just tosses it over him. Dude, why would you even have someone in there with him? Like just point, like fill the room up with cameras and just watch him. Well, it doesn't make any sense. So we go outside and this is when we meet Rowan. Well, actually, we cut to like a group of guards walking down the hall and they're led by what always is the most baffling cameo to me. David Cronenberg is here. Yes, as Dr. Alicisis Wimmer. I can't even pronounce that name. And every single time I watch this movie, I'm like, what the fuck is David Cronenberg doing here? I guess he oh, well, they, I guess he must have been around Vancouver or whatever. And they were like, David. Come here. 
you said you wanted to stay relevant. <laughs> I know, right? This is before he got all the like award-winning shit too, you know, like uh, Eastern Promises and such. So yeah. Look, but, I don't know David Cronenberg from a lot. I know he made like a lot of famous like films that did like body horror and stuff like that. But what 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 is like when you think of Cronenberg? What is a movie that immediately pops into your head? Yeah, I mean, I think David Cronenberg for me is um, Scanner. So he came up in the 70s, kind of one of the uh, the originators of the independent Canadian movie. So he did a lot of a lot of body horror stuff, um, stuff like Shivers, Rabid, uh, Scanners is probably his big like. That's the one where the guy's head explodes at the start. Yeah, um, I know that. Didn't Cronenberg also do Reanimator? Or am I thinking of someone else? No, you're thinking of Stuart Gordon. But yeah, he did a ton of that kind of stuff. Videodrome. Um, okay, Videodrome I've heard of. And then he went kind of mainstream. He made Stephen King's The Dead Zone with Christopher Walken. And then he did The Fly, which oh, is probably... <laughs> and then he did The um the Fly from the 80s, which is probably his biggest claim to fame, yes. horror-wise. That's the one I was thinking of. I was trying to get you to name off some of his movies because I'm like, I know there was one, like a remake he did that was like huge. I couldn't remember it, though. Yeah. And then and then he did a couple more like he kind of did some smaller body horror stuff, stuff like Dead Ringers, um, Existence. And then, yeah, around this time, he wasn't doing too much. But around like the mid 2000s, he'd come out with a bunch of like um, critically acclaimed, not horror, but more like. Uh, gangster drama like Eastern Promises, which is about like Russian mobsters with Vigo Mortensen, and so he's uh, a name in the horror industry. Oh yeah, yeah, Cronenberg is big. Uh, he, he has a, up from like the 70s and 80s, he had probably like close to 10, 10 horror movies in a row. You know, kind of John Carpenter style. I don't know. It's just I think it's his last name Cronenberg, and then I like you hear he's into like body horror. It's like. Yeah, with a name like Cronenberg, that just fits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for what since he's presumably hanging around Vancouver with nothing better to do, uh, <laughs> they're like, David, come on the set for a day. And uh, this is when we meet Rowan, who I guess is like the head scientist here at the Crystal Lake Research Facility. and The first attractive woman in this movie. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I don't like her very much. I think her actress is pretty terrible. Uh, well. Cordelzi are like, I'm not looking at the actress. <laughs> well. At the yeah, acting. Yeah. No, you're right. The act, Let's just say it. A lot of the acting in this movie is pretty poor. Like, like we said, I think most of the people they got in this movie all came from television. Yeah, there's um the one like is super annoying at the end. But, yeah, Alexa Doig, acting's not as great, but she's still attractive. I think she's... I th- hear that, Alexa? Give Cordell a call. Hit him up. She's attractive, and then I think Melissa Aid, who later on plays Janessa. Oh, she's the most annoying one, dude. She is annoying, but, you know, put a ball gag in her mouth and she's pretty hot. <laughs> Oh my god, I love my co-host. <laughs> hey, did All you right. see what she's wearing for the entire movie? Like that 
top with like the long ass fucking thing. Oh, in, in, the, in the future, in the future, everyone just wears like a crop top and like you know no underwear. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on with the fashion in 400 years, but so I, yes, well, and she tries to confront uh, Cronenberg and this uh, what Sergeant Marcus. Yeah, d- uh, did you notice that Cordell? Sergeant um, Marcus, do you think that's a kind of diss or reference to our our friend from last last show? It might be. Um, but it's I, not like Marcus even gets like a good death. I don't know. Is it just kind of to be like he's incompetent? I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. It, it should it should be mentioned uh, that this movie was directed by James Isaac, who. You know, sadly, he's no longer with us. Yeah, presumably Sean S. Cunningham and Adam Marcus are still, like, fist fighting in the background while this movie's being made. I believe it. <laughs> if you believe what, the, you know, they both say. Not have that you, we do. Have you seen any, um, have you, you seen, oh, yes, of course, you had to have seen some other movies that this guy made, James Isaac? Uh, what else did he make? Uh, according to his career, Isaac began work in the early 80s, creating creatures in Return of the Jedi and Gremlins. Oh, okay. He did work in House 2, Second Story, Deep Star 6. He the best worked, title ever. He worked with Cronenberg in Fly, Naked Lunch, this movie. He did some a movie called Skinwalkers. Yeah, I see Existence, that's a Cronenberg movie. So yeah, this guy, that's probably how they got Cronenberg, you know, he's a friend of his. He died relatively young, too, for age 51 in 2012. Yeah, blood cancer, that sucks. Rest in peace, Jim. Thank you for giving us a movie to laugh at. <laughs> oh, that's the best title ever, House 2, The Second Story. <laughs> nyuk, nyuk, nyuk. That just makes me laugh. Which should tell the listeners of my level of humor. Oh, trust me, we're gonna learn our level of humor well when we get into this. Um, so, yeah. So uh, Rowan and, and Dave, I'm just gonna call him David Cronenberg. Yeah. Are talking and you know Rowan's like, you, uh, I've got the cryo chamber all ready for him, and David Cronenberg's like, I don't want him frozen. I want him uh, soft. <laughs> yeah, and she of course is all like, "Nah, you can't do that." And he's basically like, "Think of all the studying we could be, we could do with this His guy." Unique ability to regenerate lost and damaged tissue. It cries out for more research. So for those of you who are like, "Why doesn't Jason look like he did?" And Jason goes to hell. Well, first of all, folks, this movie takes place after Freddy versus Jason, so he wouldn't look like he did in Jason Goes to Hell. Now, when does Freddy versus Jason take place? Like, what year? Because um, this movie, it states in the plot summary, summary that this opening takes place in 2000. Uh, well, that can't be right, because this movie has to take place after Freddy versus Jason. But, you know, they didn't know Freddy versus Jason happened yet, so. Yeah, according to this, that was still in development hell. But weirdly, it does work, you know, because at the end of Freddy versus Jason, Jason escapes hell and goes back to Crystal Lake. So 
Um, it all fits together. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This probably takes place in, like, 2020 or something. You know how you know Cronenberg is really a bastard in this movie? It, Rowan looks at him and says, you're willing to risk the lives of innocent people if he escapes. Yes! <laughs> As if Jason hasn't already killed enough. He's like, don't worry. I got the troops. They know what they're doing. Well, they walk in, and uh, all these guys conveniently forgot, though, Cordell, that Jason has teleporting powers. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> because they pull the blanket off. And not only is the, the the guard dead there, but did you notice he's got the chains on him too? Doesn't he? Yes, he's he like, does. He is fucked like, up. Jason somehow like stashed a lockpick somewhere and you know, he uh th- that's stupid. He just teleported because Jason can teleport. Maybe the maybe the evil of Jason possessed the soldier to unleash him like he did the corner jason's like come here take a nibble on my heart i know i'm really reaching for something here (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so then out of nowhere jason pops out and he starts dispatching the soldiers in short order i like this how he just like starts grabbing stuff and beating the fuck out of soldiers and uh david cronenberg gets a really cool death though because he's like running away and jason grabs like a metal spear and just impale like tosses it javelin style that was a pretty good death. Which is pretty cool. Well, back in the hallway, Rowan hears all the commotion, and she runs over just in time for uh, Sergeant Marcus to get thrown through the door. And he gives her a shotgun, and he's like, you know, get out of here. I'm sorry. And uh, so then we get uh, Jason is, like, chasing Rowan through this facility. We get a lot of cool shots of him, like, walking between, like, lights and I do I will like that s- shot. That shot where he walks between those two cylinders with the light in the background and he walks towards the camera. That is a pretty, that is a really good shot. I got to say, what I don't like about the uh, facility, it looks too big. It's underlit. It's too big. They couldn't even afford to put like random tables and cabinets everywhere. It looks empty as hell. Yeah, it's kind of weird, because once they get onto the spaceship, I actually really like the sets for the most part. I mean, when even when you look at the room that they had Jason tied up in, it looks more like a parking garage. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's literally just a, like a warehouse or something. Like, there's, there's the place where the guard is, and then there's Jason, and there's nothing else in the entire room. <laughs> it's, uh, either this place is seriously underfunded, or they really just did not give a shit. Well, they, you know they don't give a shit in a couple minutes because no one thinks to check the place for 400 years. That is true. <laughs> so but Jason's um, – that You know, it's funny. Like everybody – and you know, that makes me wonder. Um, you mentioned they don't check anything. They never – like, did anyone go down there and find the bodies of all those soldiers? Or was everyone just down there unaccounted for until uh, the student, like the students got there? Cordell, if the director and writer didn't think about it, we shouldn't think about it. OK, but I can't help it. <laughs> uh, I don't have a good answer for you there. Just uh, lazy, lazy writing. Shame on you, Todd. Shame Professor, on you. Look at all these skeletons. 
So Jason uh, walks into what we later find out is like the cryo freezing room. And Rowan's hiding behind like a crate full of uh, like canisters or whatever. Well, he, he gets right in front of the actual freezing chamber and she pops out with her shotgun and hits him a couple times and, throw, uh, you know, kicks the cart into him. And that knocks him into the chamber. See, this is why I like Rowan is like she's not just she's not like the kind of final girl that just cowards and hides and screams. She kicks ass. Yeah, no, she's a she's a proactive protagonist. I will give her that. I love this part because she, you know, locks him in there and gets the uh, she starts the cryo freezing. And then like a dumbass just like stands in front of it. Well, she stands in front of the door and Jason, Jason is having none of this because he crams his fucking machete through and stabs her. Yeah, that's a pretty strong fucking machete. I know, right? Dude, Jason, Jason just can shove through solid steel. And then the room starts to fill up with the gas. And you can see Rowan being like, oh, shit, as like she basically gets frozen. What is it with the Friday the 13th? Like this movie, it's a steel puncture and machete. Last week, it was the towel that never fell off. <laughs> uh, physics work differently over in Crystal Lake. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, yeah. Well, of course they work differently because a whole like a 200 pound man of flesh teleports to and fro it's that it's whatever's in that water over there in new jersey i'm never going to jersey (laughs) you're not missing much (laughs) i will not apologize jersey listeners i will not so that we see the door slam and yeah nobody opens it for 400 years who knows what was going on during that you know Something happened because when we see what becomes of Earth, that's scary. No, no, that's just New Jersey. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then we, we basically fade cut and we see a group of people walking into the room and it's uh, got all like full of cobwebs and shit. And I thought they looked pretty cool. They have like these like gas masks with like glowing eyes and stuff. And, uh, we find out this is a group of students who are there with their professor, but basically they're going through everything and they're like, you know, what's all this like relics and artifacts. And they come across the Jason cryo chamber and, you know, they're like, let's open it up. And they're like, Oh, you know, we got a biological specimen here. Now can <laughs> I someone? T- I love this. They open it up and they find Jason and, uh janessa goes what the hell is that the professor's like can someone tell me what's on his face i uh, like it's a kind hockey. of 20th century apparatic breathing device and then it's you a- got uh this character that, okay this i like this character i hate his name sun around yeah it's it, it, and it's spelled with like ts it's terrible but and he's uh, like it's a hockey mask What's and a then, hockey mask? And and then like the yeah the line that comes after what's a hockey mask? Facial armor, at a, a of a sport outlawed in 2024. Do you hear that, listeners? Enjoy your hockey while you can. Yeah, you only get it for one more year. And uh, so we find out with them they have a KM android, um, which you know is literally a droid. Who, you know, she's the one who's like explaining all this shit. 
She is literally an android, a computer of knowledge, and Sonoran's uh, secret love bot, as Janessa puts it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. This movie goes to some weird places. We're going to talk about it. Um. <laughs> I feel bad for the I feel bad for the actress that plays KM14, Lisa Ryder, because she doesn't look too bad in this movie. But if you like if you saw her today in like the Crystal Lake Memories uh, documentary, she is not aged pretty well. Oh, I think she's like one of the best actors in this movie. I oh, think no, she does she, the whole like Android thing really well. She does. She takes this uh, role and she just runs with it. Yeah, she's one of the she's like one of the more fun ones. I like the professor, too. I think he's hilarious. Um, Yeah, so basically they also find Rowan who's frozen on the floor and they're like, you know, we have another specimen, but they quickly figure out. They're like, Jason is dead. You know, this one we can't revive. But they're like, well, Rowan, um, you know, she's at like 80 percent health or whatever. It's like a video game. Yeah, you and know, they're, they're like, we can revive her. We can't revive him. Well, why the fuck do you take him with you then? Yeah, I don't I guess they just like are like, let's just get everything. Well, we'll find out that this uh, expedition, the professor is trying to, like, make some money off of it. So I think the impulse is basically grab everything that we can. <laughs> oh, what do you think of Ezreal? Oh, yeah. So then we get this guy who's like the typical like goofball stonery looking dude who like pokes Jason. And did you catch the little comedy earlier when the professor's like, don't touch anything? And he's, he's like, yeah, got he's got mug stuck to his hand. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. But yeah, so he uh, pokes Jason, and Jason's, um, it should be said, is frozen with, like, his machete arm up. Well, he falls forward and just cuts Azriel's arm off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, since it's the future, though, KM just walks up to him and, like, injects him with, like, a painkiller, and they're like, all right, we'll fix you up. Yeah, the future better have this shit. I know. This is the one, I love this part, and I don't think they use it enough. But so then they're like, all right, well, Rowan's, you know, we're deteriorating rapidly. So let's get her out of here. So we do get this really cool shot of them, you know, uh, carting Rowan and Jason across this like barren wasteland, also known as New Jersey. Wind. Like, I mean, it literally look, it almost kind of looks like, you know, Resident Evil 3. Yeah, it's pretty cool looking, actually. I want to know what the hell happened. Was it like a nuclear war? Was they uh? Don't they don't they say something? They're like, they just all they, mention, all they mention is that the earth is dead and that the water and soil will no longer sustain life. They tried to open the camp back up in '56. The water was bad. <laughs> yeah, we'll blame it on that. Fires, boy drowning, nuts. Anyway, so then we meet the uh, the pilot. Whose name is Lou, I think. <laughs> and he's like, you know, kind of a ripoff from the movie Aliens, like most of these people who we'll meet this later. The whole movie is like a riff on Aliens. Because we're even going to get a whole, like, uh, platoon of space marines. Yes, because this is where this is where it kind of gets so they, they lift off on the ship and they get back up to the Grendel, which is, as we learn, a big transport ship. 
And as soon as they go back down, we get this like long tracking shot kind of going through like locker rooms and hallways. And this is where we're like we meet all the characters, probably 20 of them, wouldn't you say, Cordell? Just on the ship. And this is where also I realize I have no idea who is who because all these people look alike, especially the Marines. Hmm. Like, could you keep these Marines straight, Cordell? I couldn't. Well, I couldn't tell most of the men straight. I could tell the two women Marines straight because one's white, one's black. No, I swear there's three women Marines. There's like two blonde ones. Is there not? No. Oh, man. That just goes to show you. (laughs) So uh, we cut back, and this is where we also find out that the non-Marine people are a bunch of, I guess, grad students or just college students who are there with their professor. And uh, they're actually pretty, like, on task at first. Like, we go to this laboratory, which is a pretty cool set, and we see they haul in Jason and Rowan. And we also get this really cool scene of Asriel getting his arm reattached with, like, all these nanites, which I thought that was pretty cool. I do like Brodsky's uh, comment. He's like, you think you can bring her back? We're going to try. You're not going to bring him back, are you? (laughs) And so what basically ends up happening is they stick uh, Rowan in the one lab, and then they put Jason in the other. And Uh, feel free to – no, go ahead, Corda. So we get introduced to a couple people here. We get introduced to uh, Adrian, who is the blonde-haired chick with the blue, like, sweater midriff. Um, We're also introduced to Kira and Trevor, who are two... Wait, no. (laughs) Not Trevor. No, no, it's... um... What the fuck is that chick's name? Hold on, I'm going. I'm literally looking at the plot to remember what the hell this dude. All right, I, I got you. I got you. We'll, we'll, we'll get this, Cordell. Don't. So basically, the professor assigns Adrian, who's the okay, blue it's sweater. Stoney and Kinza. Stoney and Kinza. That's who it is. So she's um, working on Jason in the one lab, yeah, with Stoney and Kinza. Who really are more concerned with fucking each other than doing any type of school science work. And then meanwhile, in the other lab, the professor, Brodsky, oh man, what the fuck are these guys' names? Asriel, I have this guy's name written down. So Sunaran and Asriel are working, uh, Sunaran and Brodsky are working to patch up Asriel. Meanwhile. And then uh, there's Waylander as well with Janessa. Wayland, I like Waylander. I'm actually glad yeah. I'm he's actually like one of the cool guys in this. Yeah, he doesn't really talk much till like the latter half of the movie, but he is pretty cool. Um but Waylander and Janessa, they focus on Rowan. And I do like the line when the professor says, Someone get those clothes off her and Waylander's like, I got it. And like Janessa like brings him to a full stop. I got it. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty funny. We did miss one of the lines when uh they uh Brodsky asked how long she uh Rowan was down there. And I think they say something like four point five five years. I guess to like indicate like four hundred and fifty five years. 
And he goes, that's a hell of a wake-up call. Janessa goes, I'm bitchy as hell when I wake up. And Ceneron <laughs> goes, what, you just wake up? Yeah, they, her and uh, Ceneron have this kind of weird, like, I can't tell. Does she like him or? I think she likes him. I think maybe he, maybe he notices her, but he's too much focused on KM. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's a weird one. Um, Hey, you son of a can have KM. I'll take Janessa. uh, Nah, I I did not like Janessa in this. I don't even think the actress is that good looking, dude. I'm sorry. I mean, she's good looking in this. Maybe not like out, maybe not now. But yeah, so so Asriel gets his arm reattached, and I did like that uh, special effect. That was pretty cool. Yeah, nanotechnology can bring people back to life and reattach lost limbs. How do you feel about that? That's cool, man. I hope they. Uh, I hope that really happens someday. How sweet would that be? Well, we're too busy focused on Chinese weather balloons to care about that. Nah, they're UFOs, man. The aliens are coming. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so they get Rowan into like the silver blanket thing, and they say like send in the ants, and we get this cool like CGI shot of uh all the nano creatures kind of like crawling over her, and on the monitors you see them like kind of repairing the damage that Jason did with his machete. Yeah, don't they have don't they have like a piece of chainmail on Rowan? Yeah, it really looks like that. And so- uh. While they're doing this, we cut back to the morgue or the room wherever they're working on Jason. And Kira and Stoney, you know, like I said, they are just like, mm, yeah, how are you doing? And Adrian's yeah, not I, this shit no more. I love that. Adrian's like actually trying to like, you know, be scientific and she's all excited. And the second Stoney walks in. He's like, hey, good looking, and starts making out with her, like, right on top of Jason's frozen body. So Adrian just turns around and says, look, I'll do this. You two just go do whatever the hell you want. Get the fuck out of here. And they're like, oh, thanks, Adrian. I'm like, you didn't do anything. (laughs) Adrian concerns me because she takes out one of Jason's eyes. Oh, that scene is gross. And she looked and she's got it like like close up to her face. And did you notice the look on her face was like a weird like. It was almost like a curious and then it like goes into a smile. She's into it, dude. She's she's like the only person who's like trying to like actually take this shit seriously. I would hate to see what her qualifications are for a boyfriend. (laughs) So anyway, back in the other lab, it, we're, we're kind of cutting between these two as she, like, takes Jason's eye out. Um, but back in the <laughs> other lab, they're like, well, Rowan's good to uh, good to wake up. And so the professor leans over and he's like, you know, hey, like, you're safe here. And Rowan just <laughs> cocks him. <laughs> cocks him and we get the awesome KM one. Vital signs are normal and strong. strong. No shit. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so this is when we find out they're all like, you know, hey, like, you're OK, you're safe. We find out the year is twenty four fifty five. Almost 400 years. And I guess I guess this is canonically it is that it takes place in 2000, right? Because they say she was frozen 455 years. But 
I don't know. Twenty four fifty five. And we get this cool scene that's like a POV shot of her like looking around all the people that I thought was kind of interesting. Dude, is it? Am I the only one that thought that the professor was like trying to calm her down or trying to be reassuring and just failing miserably because he like kept repeating himself? Oh, I thought the yeah. I mean, I thought the professor did pretty good actually. This the professor's character is kind of weird. I don't. I think the actor does a good job, but like I don't know if there was like script differences because sometimes he comes off as like actually taking his job seriously, you know, and trying to like be reassuring, and then other times he just comes off as like an idiot. So I'm not. I don't really know what's up with the professor. I I think the professor is like you know. He's in this for the money, but he's also in it for the students. But he's also like not taking this as serious because he doesn't, you know, he finds out that he we find out he doesn't know who Jason is. So he yeah. he he he's really underestimating the threat that he's facing. Yeah, because so in the very next scene, we cut to the professor in his quarters, and this scene is the got to be the most pointless scene ever. Do you understand why, like, why, I mean, okay, it's not the most pointless scene, but we get, like, an extended close-up of this guy the professor calls, uh, who I guess is his yeah. boss. Um, and, yep, he calls, uh, and Peter the professor. Perez. I actually, I know you're saying calling this scene pointless, but I kind of like this scene. Oh, okay. This guy's like an old, he's an old Cronenberg veteran. That's why he's in this movie. But he's like, Lo, you bastard. We've got a gold mine. You know what time it is. I don't care. We got a gold mine. A box of DVDs is not a gold mine. I told (laughs) you I can't move them. (laughs) I guess he's his fence, actually. But yeah, so the, uh, the professor's like, we got two specimens, one of which is reanimated. And this is kind of interesting because we find out that there's like hundreds or thousands of people walking around who have been reanimated. The, okay, this actor that's playing Dito Perez, uh, Robert Silverman, guess what Guess what else he happened to have been in? Friday the 13th, the series, because I'm reading that right now. They... When they made these movies, they just went like, hey, who was in that, like, god-awful TV show that they made? Who can we bring in from that? Oh, I guess he was in Prom Night, too. Sanford Sykes, the original. Hmm. Whoever that is. (laughs) But I love his line. (laughs) A box of DVDs is not a gold mine. I can't move them. Now, are we supposed to assume, like, this guy is lying in bed or something? Yeah, it's a weird like we just get like a close up of his face. I think it, I think that's the implication is that he's lying in bed. Well, like the camera shows the screen and like a bed like comes out of like a wall. Or something. It, all, it almost kind of reminds me like when you go to a morgue and they have like the bodies on the slabs that they push in and out of the freezers. Yeah, he he looked kind of ill. I was wondering if there'd be like some subplot where like they needed money to like fix this guy or something, but it just is kind of pointless. <laughs> I mean, the character's a throwaway because he's gonna die later in the movie. 
everyone on that station is going to die. It should be uh, it should be uh, noted that D- uh, Dito is on a space station called Solaris, which is where they're headed to. Oh, and we mentioned Waylander. I forgot to mention with calling this a uh, alien ripoff. Do you think Waylander is like a riff on the Wayland Corporation from Alien? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It does sound a lot like that. But I just like, yeah, I mean, the professor basically tells his boss, this is when we, um, he's like, the one guy is Jason Voorhees, and the professor's like, well, who's that? And the his boss is like, you know, he killed 200 people, he'd be worth a fortune to the right guy. And uh, the professor's like, all right, we'll tell the buyers, you know, I'm ready to sell. Well, no, he doesn't say anything because he says, you have a list of buyers. He's like, no list. He's mine. He's mine to keep. And that's like, well, wait a minute. So how are you going to make money off this guy if you ain't going to sell him? No, no. That's when he's talking about, um, do you have a list of, like, who owns what from what you took? And that's when he's like, oh, it's all mine. The guy's like, well, what about the students? And he's like, ah, they'll be happy with uh, the educational experience. And the guy's like, you're a son of a bitch. And he's like, a rich son of a bitch. And then we get one of the most weirdest scenes in history because Janessa comes in. (laughs) Holding a bottle of wine and and some like. Well, it's like, no, it's like forceps. It's like uh, like what you use on a barbecue to pick up hot dogs. (laughs) It doesn't because she's like, I think it's time we talk about my what her midterm. Yeah, we're going back to the Kelly Hugh plot from part eight. (laughs) Oof. Um, so this is when we do get another gross scene, though. It cuts away, and, uh, we see Adrian, who's cutting Jason's mask off, and this is pretty gnarly. She's cutting into him, and there's, like, black ooze coming out, kind of keeping that, like, holdover from Jason Goes to Hell. Like, his blood isn't even red, it's black. I was thinking about that. I was like, the heart appears to be filled with a black, viscous substance. Whatever it is, it's not blood. Um, and she does actually take his mask off and we get a brief shot of unmasked Jason. And I thought it looked a lot like the traditional old school Tom Savini makeup. Well, like I said, they were moving away from zombie Jason. Cause yeah, he, I didn't he really doesn't look, I mean, with the exception of like all that, like oozy stuff on his face, he really just looks like a mongoloid. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think they're like you said, they're moving away from the zombie Jason for whatever reason, but it still looks pretty nasty. Don't get me wrong. And I love her line. Poor baby. No wonder you wore this thing. I know she just has sympathy for Jason and she gets it worst of all. But then we get a laugh out loud scene because we jump cut right back to bear with oh me. My here. God. <laughs> we cut back to the professor oh my who's God. wearing a purple <laughs> negligee with Janessa on top of him, twisting his nipple. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> Oh my oh, god. He's in a he is in a purple dress. She is wearing some black dominatrix shit. <laughs> Twisting his nipple mm, harder. Harder. And I'm like, 
oh my god, what oh, is in this scene? This is like, this is like Isaac's looked at that fucking BDSM cop scene, and Jason goes to hell and says, "How can we take that but make it even worse?" I was thinking that. I was like, they're like, all right, every movie we have to put in one of these scenes. <laughs> Um, and then the best part is when he comes, he yells, you pass. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't. Oh, man, that shit, it's hilarious. There's no other word for it. It's, this, I mean, this is so unethical. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Cordell? This whole ship is just full of horny people because you got that going on. Then we cut to um, whatever the fuck the guy's name is, Sunan or whatever. With uh, uh, KM. Oh, son around with KM, and he's putting fake nipples. Yeah, her, her nipples, like the camera pans down, and you're like, oh, her breasts, and then her nipples fall off. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. And we actually get like a little weird angst, because she's like, uh, he's like, why do you want those anyway? And what'd she say? She's like, Janessa has them. Well, Janessa's real? Well, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, you got some weird, like, android, like, self, like, you know, like, she has a sense of self or whatever. It's And apparently, Wait. though, that was not uh, the actress's real boobs. That was, uh, what do you, what do you call them when they put fake boobs on someone for a scene in a movie? Well, just like a cast or something? Yeah. Well, they had to be for the, for the nipples, right? But, uh... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a weird, like, little... Um, I guess these two have probably the best developed relationship, maybe? I don't know. And, uh... But by the same token, so we got that going on, um... The two horny people, whose names I've already forgotten, they're fucking over in their suite. And this is why... This is where we learn... That the only way to truly bring Jason back to life is sex. Yes, I caught that. I was like, because, like, so she starts moaning and his hand twitches. And I was like, wait a second. Is this movie trying to tell us it's the fucking that wakes Jason up? And sure enough, the guy's on top of her and she lets out another moan and boom, Jason sits right up. I know. I like that. Like, Like each moan, like Jason shakes his leg then his hand like unthaws and then she lets out that big moan that echoes throughout the entire ship and jason's like whoop (laughs) yeah they must have like sped up the film because he just like shoots right up (laughs) he just shoots right up he's like someone's fucking i gotta stop that (laughs) yeah you know jason's all about safe sex maybe adam marcus is right maybe if they use the condom you know it uh that's all it would have taken but uh, then we get, I mean, come on, everyone knows this scene. Dare I say, the best kill in the whole movie. Yes, I love this kill. Now, they actually took, they actually uh, did this on, you know, that show um, Mythbusters? Did they really? Yeah, they, on Mythbusters, they tried to replicate this kill to see if it was, um, if it was actually possible or if it was they could bust it 
And unfortunately, it is busted. You cannot freeze someone's face like this. Yeah, but you know, this is the future. Now, but before he dunks her head into that, uh, like, nitro... What is it? Uh, oh, what is that? Just, you know, a uh, freezing compound. Yeah, I was going to say nitroglycerin, but that's not that. Um, you no. notice, did you notice Jason was kind of copping a feel on her when she was struggling with him? Liquid nitrogen. Yeah, I noticed that, too, because, like, Kane grabs her and he's, like, pulling her across the room, but his one arm is, like, pulling her top off. <laughs> uh, I got, like, some, uh, got some trivia here. But yeah, let's just uh, let's go for it real quick, because, yeah, for the listeners who haven't seen this, but you should YouTube this if you haven't. Jason fucking dunks her head in the liquid nitrogen and we see in real time her face actually freezes. Jason rips her face out, smashes it on the counter. And like you get this awesome like her head is like in half, just fucking a bloody mess. And he just tosses her aside. I know. I love like the force he uses to toss her body to the ground. It's like, fuck you. Yeah, it's literally like Jace, Jason is back and he's pissed. Well, yeah, she cut his eye out. <laughs> All right, what's the trivia? I got two pieces of trivia to share just for the moment. So this mo- the film takes place in 2010 and 2455. So that answers our question about... Like the time the opening is 2010, you said? Yep. Oh, okay. Well, then that works perfectly because Freddy vs. Jason is like 2004 or something like that. And I was correct about Waylander's name. Um, it is based on the Wayland Corporation from the Alien films. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of kind of insider referency jokes there. And I, this is when also after Jason kills her, though, he does get a new machete. And I like this machete, that like surgical, um, you know, serrated one. Yeah, tell me what kind of fucking surgical, um, like doctor needs that kind of tool. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what you would use it for. But, you know, it is the future. Maybe they're like... Hysterectomy. <laughs> maybe they're uh, dissecting aliens or something, you know? But, uh, yeah, this is where I'm like, we get, like, the scenes of Jason walking through the hallway, and I'm like, Jason looks pretty cool. Um, I, his new movie. I like, I like how Jason, like, is walking through the hallway, and then, like, he turns, because he's, he's, like, he's hunting for the teenagers having sex. <laughs> and I like, like how they... Yeah, they do like the Scooby Doo moment, and then like as soon as he... comes out and she goes her merry way. Yeah, as soon as he walks off screen, she walks on the screen. I'm like, this is so goofy. Um, so then we cut to the professor, and he goes to talk to Rowan, brings her some food, and we kind of get some lip service about what happened to Earth One, as they call it. Yeah, and we find out, we get some more backstory about Jason from Rowan is where we find out that, you know, they tried to execute him all these different ways. Like, they shot him and Stabbed him, tried drowning him, tried hanging him, electrocuting him. Nothing worked. Mm, Isn't that you know, 
like, isn't that just double jeopardy at this point? Yeah, I know. How can you sentence him? I mean, Jason's like a science experiment at this point, though. But and she does basically tell the professor, she's like, all these people who felt they knew better, thought they could control him. And at the end of the day, it all comes down to money. And the professor's like, uh-huh. Yeah, because he's like, oh, shit. Well, that's kind of like what I'm in this for. And so, uh, yeah, so Rowan walks onto the bridge or like the main lab or whatever with the professor. And this is where we actually get like a proper, the professor like points out all the students kind of scene. Um, I, I, we, I love how the scene starts. So Janessa has kind of got like sun around up against the corner and she's like, admit it, you want me. And he goes, I could never be with a girl whose balls are bigger than mine. it's kind of a weird like is he is he saying she's tougher than him like that's what it really sounds like i don't think he thought that line through there's some weird lines in here there's one there's one i I gotta talk about towards the end that like anyway yeah so then um rowan and the professor professor low walk in and this is where the professor's like you know this is uh janessa that's sonaron KM-14, this is all of, uh, look at all these specimens, this is Janessa's love children. And I love the actress who plays KM for this one line, because they're like, you're an android, you're a robot, and uh, Rowan's like, she looks so real, and she like gets offended, she's like, I am real. I know, right? I like KM-14, She might be, she's probably my favorite character. But uh, Rowan's enthusiasm quickly goes out the window when uh, she finds out that Jason is on board the ship. Yeah, and we get we get a good joke about it because the professor's like, oh, he's definitely dead. Show me. And then they just jump cut to the body bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Brodsky, he doesn't waste no time. He tells everyone there's a hostile on board and the tells the ground troops to get ready and i love we cut to lou in the cockpit and he's like all confused like what the chick yeah i did like that well uh back to our our two uh horny teens whose names i still forget thankfully i have cordell here uh kira and stoney and i think stoney's actually might be one of the so i think stoney actually might be a soldier Oh, really? Interesting. I think he's one of the Marines because he's getting dressed and getting ready to head out and everything. And she's like, no, oh, I'm not ready yet. Well, he opens the door and who should be standing there? Jason. But old Mr. Voorhees. He found the fuckers. This is what you get for fucking. Well, he rams his machete right through him and fucking he splatters her nice face. Blood splatter on her face. I know. That's awesome. And I but, think... Uh, I didn't see it in the trivia, but if I remember from the Crystal Lake Memories documentary, that whole blood splatter thing, like that reaction was real from her because she was not expecting that. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Jason, he doesn't just leave the guy or kill her. For some reason, he just like grabs him and drags him off. I like how like the guy turns around and he just pulls his machete through him. Yeah, I like how he, he pulls it through by the blade. That's pretty cool. But, uh... I don't know why he doesn't kill her. I yeah, really it's kind of weird. I really, I really wish he did, because you said that Janessa is annoying. 
from this point on, Keela is so fucking annoying in this movie. Well, I she she's only annoying at her last scene. Her last scene annoys the shit out of me. Ugh. But yeah, so uh, yeah, we see Brodsky. He's like, you know, he sends the Marines out on the hunt, and uh, we cut to Todd Farmer, and he's playing like Doom basically. He's like walking through this uh, arena, and this giant fucking alien that i swear to god looks like straight out of the doom series if you ever played those cordell uh no i've never played doom i was kind of more into wolfenstein but he pops out and so he's uh shooting that thing (laughs) i like this he shoots one alien and then he like takes a break and then another alien comes around the corner to get him and who should appear to save his ass Asriel. And Asriel, he's got his arm back. He's feeling cocky now. Yeah, and we find out that they're doing, you know, like some sort of simulation. And, you know, Asriel's like, all right, next one. uh, Next kill wins. Lock and load. Well, another demon arrives, and this is an awesome moment because Jason just chops right through it. And for a second, I'm like, now I want Jason to be like in the world of doom. (laughs) <laughs> but uh the Todd Farmer and Azio are like, well what the fuck? I thought this wasn't a you know I thought this was alien only. It is pause play. I said pause play. He's not pausing. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well I Jason walked boot. Well Jason walks up to the them and he actually cuts uh Azriel in half and he's like, This doesn't count as a death. And uh, he chops off laughing and he just like decapitates Farmer's character. What private Dallas? Yeah, which is definitely an alien reference because there's a Dallas and alien. And uh, game over. (laughs) Yeah, this seems funny because the the, like whole thing dissolves and it's just these two guys are like sitting on the floor. (laughs) Isn't it? I'm sorry, like, I can't stop seeing Alien in every scene of this movie. He says game over, and all I'm thinking is, game over, man, game over. I love Jason's acting, because you can tell Jason is, like, confused. He is so fucking, like, not knowing what's going on. He's like, what the hell? Like, you could just kind of see Kane Hodder, like, looking down at these two guys on the floor, and you could just tell Jason's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Well, basically, so Jason, these two guys realize, like, oh, shit. And, uh, you know, Jason grabs Azriel and tosses him. And Todd Farmer pulls out his gun and, like, puts a couple rounds in the Jason. He's like, get out of here. Well, Azriel's an idiot. I love how uh, he starts choking Azriel and uh, Dallas is, like, immediately goes into protection mode. Like, hey, drop the kid now. Yeah, no, Todd, Todd Farmer goes out pretty well, but Asriel's kind of an idiot because he jumps on top of Jason. He's like, I got him. I got him. Asriel ain't got a shot. Move. Asriel get what he fucking deserves. Well, Jason pulls off like a pro wrestling move because he like flips Asriel around and breaks his back over his knee. I know. Before he just like flips him off of him. I know. He pulls a bane. <laughs> I do a bat. But then Todd Farmer's death is kind of lame because Jason gets a hold of his head and smacks him into the wall like twice. But I was like, that'd be way cooler if he, you know, like beat his face into the wall. 
Okay, I'm going to go ahead and this is my main complaint with this movie. This movie's blood blood and gore is very lacking compared to most Friday the 13th movies. Yeah, there's not a lot of like really good good kills, honestly. There are I some mean, good kills, but the fact that most of the blood, I mean this movie is very dark in a lot of scenes. I think the most blood that I saw in the kills were like when he cuts a marine in half later. Oh yeah, that is a good scene. And yeah, like, most of them are pretty not bloodless, but very tame. Yeah, and there's no Tom Savini stuff here. There's no Tom Savini. In fact, part of the trivia here on this movie was this is the first film in the Friday the 13th series to rely on digital effects for death and gore. Oh, I didn't notice too many digital effects. I mean, I'm sure there were some. But I just thought most of the kills were pretty lackluster. But yeah, so Todd Farmer bites it, and uh, so we cut back to the main labs, and we see the professors kind of walking through the hall with Brodsky, because Brodsky told the professor to, you know, um, get all the kids and hide in the one lab. And it should be said that the the chick who got blood splattered ran up to them, too. And uh, so she's, like, being comforted. I like this. It's, it's, see, this is what makes me like Brodsky, because the professor's trying to convince him, like, like, no, I need this guy alive. He's like, no, you want him alive. Elbrowski gets a, a great line because the professor's like 100,000, 200,000, 500,000. And Brodsky's finally like five. All right. And then he runs into all his Marines are all like gearing up. And they're like, what do we what do we do when we find this guy? And he's like, well, I promised the doc we'd take him alive. And they're all like, oh, he goes, so after you blow him to hell, put one in his leg so we can say we tried. I like Brodsky. Yeah, and I like Brodsky. His wow. his whole his whole mission is to keep everyone on that ship safe. Yeah, you can tell he like takes his job seriously. And later on, that guy's Jack too. Like he's a fucking. Oh yeah, he's, he's gonna get stabbed twice, and he's still gonna keep kicking. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so then we get a lot of scenes because he tells, you know, like, these two Marines go here, you two Marines go there. And I'm not going to lie to you, Cordell. I have no idea how many total Marines there are because we get so many scenes of Marines walking through, like, dark corridors, and I can't keep track of who is who. Okay, neither can I, but I'm going to try to. I was going to say, let's not even try. All right, so. You have two – let me – I'm looking at the cast list again, so bear with me. So you have two uh, male soldiers, Private Sven, Private Condor. Um, Private Sven, I think Jason just comes up and, like, snaps his neck in half, doesn't he? He's the soldier that Jason pulls into, like, between some containers and, like, just twists his neck. See, I thought that was a woman. I guess it is him, though. Um, Private Condor, that is the soldier that 
Um, well, it should be said before we get into like these kills, like Jason killing these soldiers, it should be mentioned that they do, uh, they do end up saving the ship's engineer, uh, Crutch. Yeah, that's a good scene. So, so like I said, um, we'll get to the soldier kills in a second. But yeah, Brodsky sends all the soldiers out. We get a bunch of scenes of you know them like walking through hallways and shit. And um, then we see Crutch, yeah, the ship's engineer, who's like got his own workstation. I thought it was cool he had all the plants and stuff around it. And uh, basically, we get the POV, you know, of Jason walking up behind him. And just as he looks in the mirror and sees Jason, we see Brodsky and two other Marines roll up and they're like, get down. And they fucking open fire. And uh, basically blast Jason. But then uh, so all the other Marines roll up and they can't find him. And so this is where we kind of get the scene where, you know, Brodsky's like, all right, split up. Let's go find this guy. And for the next, like, I want to say 10 minutes of the movie, it's just kind of like these Marines walking around getting picked off one by one. Well, here, I think I have a, I think I have a pretty accurate, like, who's who. So I'm going to go ahead and list their names and how Jason kills them. Is that OK? Yeah, go for it. So Private Savan, he is with the two females, Private Briggs and Private Gecko. And Jason comes up behind him and, like, stealthily, like, pulls him in between some containers and just twists his neck and kills him. Condor is up on a ledge looking for Jason. Well, Jason comes up behind him and they kind of have, like, a brief, like, he starts pulling out, like, some martial arts moves on him, like, punching him, kicking him. Jason, like, just shoves him over the edge onto that giant uh, screw, like that drill. And we get the first of three very, very stupid lines. Okay, but you got to admit, like, the shot of his body, like, swirling down the screw, that was fucking funny. Yeah, that was a cool, that was a cool kill, but the I mean. The, the joke that comes in a few minutes, that's not funny, but like the shot of him twirling and going down on the screw, that was pretty fucking funny to me. But yeah, but um, then the one Marine's like, I found him. That's his status. He's screwed. It's like, oh boy. <laughs> Give me a break. Right, you don't like bad writing? Oof, I don't like that bad writing. But yeah, so uh, Jason takes these Marines out one by one. I'm in, I'm working on it. All right, all right. So then the next uh, Marine to fall is Private Gecko. She's the black um, Marine played by Amanda Bruegel. She, uh, like, backs up into, like, a dock area, and Jason, I guess, gets her and slits her throat. Which I thought was pretty lame, but then when she walks out with the throat slit, that was pretty cool. She is found by a private kicker who tries to save her, and then he sees, and I like this shot, like, so the camera is, like, close in on his face as he's looking at Gecko, and then, like, you see, like, the glare of Jason's machete in the background and that's how he notices jason 
So he gets up. So Private Kicker gets up and he starts shooting Jason and Jason like falls down and he's like, he reports everyone, I got him. I got him. But Jason, what he does is he impales him on that like uh, the whatchamacallit, like that giant hook, like it's a multi-pronged hook. Well, he, yeah, I think so. So yeah. what, what he doesn't notice is that Jason gets back up and suddenly over the intercom, you hear Kicker scream. And well, you get this awesome shot of him dragging half his body. Yes, that was a pretty good where he's like giving like a last minute uh, warning to Brodsky. Well, Brodsky is comes in and. He finds Private Briggs, the blonde female. Jason has pinned her on one of those, like you said, one of those like hook things. And her body just starts swinging back and forth. And so then it's just Brodsky. And it should it should be said, we keep cutting back to the students and like, you know, uh, Rowan's like, get them out of there. And at first the professor's like, nah, they know what they're doing. But now they're like. Brodsky's in there all by himself. So Brodsky is going through the dark corners and Jason's arm pops through the wall and pin- and grabs him and he sticks him with like a piece of rebar or something. And he's like, it's going to take more than we're poking the ribs to put this old dog down. So then Jason comes and stabs him with the machete. Yep, that'll do it. Oh, my God. You know what's funny is I like this actor and I like how he delivers the line, but it's still an eye rollingly like stupid line. <laughs> and what I really hate about this is like after they think they're all dead, then Professor, the professor goes like, I told him they shouldn't go in unprepared. <laughs> yeah, this professor is a slimy little weasel, you know, he's like, well, it wasn't my fault when earlier he was like, they know what they're doing. So, but yes. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, so we basically, like, the middle, like, 15 minutes was basically spent taking out all the Marines. And, oh, that was a cool, cool little sequence. Um, Did I do okay running through the desks? Because I think yeah, that, that, was that made a lot of sense. Do that. But it definitely is confusing when you're watching it. So... They hear a knock at the door, and they, of course, they all freak out. Well, Waylander opens the door, and it's just Crutch. Yeah, it's just the uh, engineer. And so they get on the horn to um, Lou up in the uh, cockpit. He's like, are we almost to... um, We almost to Solaris? He's like, taking us out of hyperdrive now. And I love how he's talking to himself. He's like, like kids in a goddamn field. Bring a psycho on board. All I know is I'm going to get blamed for this shit. I I fucking caught that this time. I was laughing. I I love that. But uh, yeah, poor, poor Lou, though, doesn't realize that Jason has snuck up right behind him. He's going to be he's going to die lonely. And uh, this is when. Yeah, Jason racks up his highest body count of the whole entire. Like, I was gonna scene. say, I was gonna ask you if you noticed that. Like, wow, Jason's body count just fucking skyrocketed. Because he kills Lou, and then you know we get the Solaris is like, oh, you're off course, Grendel. 
and we get like it's a cool shot i love the scene of like the model exploding because it looks real i don't think it's all cgi i think they actually are like you know blowing up a model but like it goes through like this dome that's on it and it crashes through a building and um and in my head, I'm just picturing that the building that it destroys is the one that had Dita Perez in. Who? The guy that the professor called earlier. Oh, oh yeah. I, I forgot about him. No, that, Which see, tells I, you how much he, uh, he impacts the movie. See, you're probably right. This is probably a model. What I don't like about it is just how badly it's superimposed in, like, the space. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I thought it looks pretty good. So the the Grendel, I almost called it a Grendel. Oops. Um, <laughs> the Grendel like goes through the dome and just kind of keeps going. Well, Waylander brings up the TV screen, and we see, and I think this is what I'm talking about. We see the space station like explode. But it's yeah, like not even a good explosion. Like it's like like I said, it looks just poorly superimposed, and they couldn't even afford like a good explosion. You know, kind of like the Death Star in Star Wars. But then we, at the end of the movie, we do get a good explosion though. Yeah, in the movie. Yeah, at the end, why couldn't they have done that here? <laughs> I think it's just meant to be played as a joke because after they get through, the professor's like, "Don't worry, we'll turn around," and then on the monitor in the background, you see it blowing up. Um, yeah, so Jason is now responsible for presumably, you know, thousands of deaths. And I love how, like, when Wayne Landers, like, it's gone. Solaris is gone, and Kyo is like, gone? It can't be gone. <laughs> and, uh, so then they're all, like, basically, like, what the, what are we gonna do? Like, everyone's freaking out, and the professor's like, everyone shut up! Well, then well, they hear a... Waylander does... Isn't this where Waylander does send out a distress beacon, though? Yeah, I think he does. Well, all of a sudden, there's a, a big banging on the door. And they're all like, oh, shit. And so, like, Rowan is, like, approaches the door. And I do I do like Janessa's one line when she's like, Rowan's like, I don't think you head out there and peek. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so everyone, you know, is all in suspense looking towards the door. Well, Jason has to fulfill series tradition and uh, he jumps through the window. And this is pretty cool because everyone like screams and runs. I love but that. This, but this is where we get this is a pretty funny scene because uh, we see everyone like running through the hallway all trying to get away. And they're like, wait a sec, where's the professor? And we cut back and Jason's like looming over Professor Lowe and he's basically like, let's talk about it. Like, you know, I, what do you want? I can get you money. I know. And I like every time the professor tries to move, Jason steps in front of him. <laughs> he's like, okay. nope, you're mine, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I love Jason leans over the professor and we kind of get this little moment while the professor's babbling of Jason, like comparing his new machete and his old one. He's like, and, hey, you want your machete back? Shit, it's yours. Take it. And I do like the line. It's okay, guys. He just wanted his machete back. But we do end up, we don't see him kill the professor on screen, but we do hear his scream through the hallways. Did you notice that? 
yeah, I think it shows all the like survivors have this look like, oh shit, like they know the professor's dead. And uh, so they're like, well, what the hell are we gonna do now? And uh, Cross and is that what's the engineer's name? Crash, Cross, Crutch, Crutch. I have Cross written down because I don't think I totally got that. Names are bad in this movie. His name is Trevor Crutch Crutchfield. Well, Crutch and Waylander basically figure out, all right, we can take the shuttle, but we have to, like, prep the startup sequence and launch it from the bridge, so on and so forth. So they decide to split up. Uh, yeah, Janessa, because, you know, 400 years in the future, and uh, spaceships can't have a launch sequence from right there if you need a quick getaway. I know, right? So um, this is when our yeah our, our cast splits up. So Waylander and Crutch go up to the bridge. Janessa Rowan and Kira or whatever the yep, hell her Kira. name is. They all go to like prep the shuttle and KM and soon. Sunaran. Sunaran. I'm never gonna get these names, Cordo. I do like KM. the scene right before KM and Sunaran take off. Uh, Rowan picks up a gun from uh, Gecko's corpse. He's like, whoa, do you know what you're doing with that? Yeah, it's like riding a bike. Once you learn, you never forget. And they uh, separate, and Janessa's like, um, what's a bike? <laughs> I really want to know what this bitch did in her childhood. Yeah, I know, right? What, I, is, life, this... what, what is life like on Earth 2? Because it oh. sounds really repressive. Well, at the end, I mean, it looks pretty awesome. Or, you know. But, yeah, so this is when we get... I don't know if this is a good scene. It's kind of a weird scene with KM and Sooneron. And I think it's supposed to be sweet, but I don't know. It's just kind of weird. His love bot. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because, you know, he's like... It's like, it's like what, do you, what do you think about Oz, KM, or the statistical odds are 12%. 12%? Can't you do better than that? That's bullshit. Yeah, he's so mad. But then, uh, you know, I forget what the fuck he says. One but they end up... Gives him a kiss. Our odds just went up to 58%. You want to go for 100? <laughs> so, you know... You know he fucking... You know, you know he came in that inside that android before she put on that leather outfit. Yeah, what are they doing for that 15 minutes, you know? It's, uh... uh so, you know, for all, for all of you, uh, you know, you Android sex bot fans, there's hope for you 400 years in the future. Oh, my God. Can I share this joke with you? Sure. I have this meme on my phone and it and it's uh, it's, a, it's a picture of a sign that says, please do not finger the robots. And, <laughs> then, it, and then it shows uh, Long John Silver from Treasure from the Disney movie Treasure Planet. Looking at his mechanical hand saying, some dreams are worth giving things up for. <laughs> That's funny. I was so like when this scene comes on and he starts making out with the android, I'm like, oh, he's going to he's I'm going to need a freaking robot dick when he's done. <laughs> I, I don't know how to respond to that. I don't think okay. I want to. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, so good old Suteron, you know, at least he's not going to die a virgin. What more could you want? But does it count if you fuck a robot? Oh, you know, that's a good question. Listeners, write in. Let us know. 
Let us know. Do you only lose your virginity if you fuck a human, or can you fuck a, a robot human? And this is also this is a cool. Um, not this moment, but so we cut back to Rowan and the two girls who are going through, and this is a pretty good scene for Rowan because the Kira starts kind of like freaking out, and Rowan's basically like, "If you don't what shut up, you? I'll strangle you myself." And I like Janessa; she's really good with people. You know, I agree with Rowan. Like, come on, pull yourself together, lady. But Rowan kind of goes off on herself for a second because she thinks she sees a survivor. And yeah. who did she run into? It's Brodsky. Yeah, because they, they're basically, you see, like, the bloody spike coming out of the wall. And so you know that's where he's at, but he's not there. And she uh, shines her flashlight and thinks she sees him. You get, like, a brief glimpse of him sitting down the hallway. So she sends Kira and Janessa on, and she goes to Brodsky, and you can tell that he's pretty badly wounded, and she's like, well, I can't move you myself. Let me go get help. And, and so we cut. Yeah, we, we cut to the bridge where Waylander and Crutch uh, find what's left of Lou, and I love it. He's like, oh, Lou. Yeah, I didn't. Did you realize Jason ripped him apart? Like, God damn. Yeah, that was uh, like what? There's a piece of his uh, body here, a piece up there. There's an arm right there. And I like Waylander. He's like, that's messed up. But so, uh, is this when we get the. No, Crutch takes the controls and he takes the earpiece out of uh, Lou's head. And he's, he tells Waylander, here, give me your vest so he can clean off the earpiece. And he says something. I forgot what the joke was. He says something about the Microsoft Wars. Yeah, because Waylander's like, that's disgusting. He's like, you're lucky you weren't alive during the Microsoft conflict. We were beating each other with our own severed limbs. <laughs> I did. Well, if, if you're in the future and you can just reattach them, right? It makes sense. I want to know what the Microsoft conflicts was. Lord only knows. But uh, so this is when Rowan calls in and is like, you know, I found Brodsky. We need help moving him. So uh, Waylander heads off to uh, leaves Crutch because uh, Crutch is like, we're pretty much good to go. Go get him. Now, he was, and, they, this is where these kids fuck up. So. Janessa and Kira are at the pod. And Janessa lets Kira go into the, into the thing to get everything set. Mm-hmm. Well, something happens. What happens? I think, like, over the radio, this is where uh, Jason finds Crutch. Yeah, and we get a cool shot of uh, he walks up behind crutch and you see he's got the professor's head impaled on his machete i love that he's like whoa <laughs> oh shit we got company people and poor crutch because jason like smashes his head into like an electric box a bunch of times well this is where kira just completely loses it and yes she herself into the um into the shuttle and like she's crying, she's like, and she tries to take off. Like, you got Janessa, you got Waylander, you got uh, 
Rowan outside telling her to open the door and but she tries to take off and like something causes an explosion and yeah, I think I think what happens because they're like, you know, like, let us in like and then um, Rowan actually tries to be nice. She's like, come on, sweetie, like, you know, open the door. And then she like loses it. and She's like, open the fucking door. And uh, Kira just says, fuck it and tries to take off. But the shuttle's still like attached to the ship. So like when she tries to take off it, um, you know, it like causes an explosion that blows up the shuttle. And Kira is dead. And thank fucking God. Yeah, she was super annoying in that last scene. It's like, oh, my God. But maybe a realistic portrayal of trauma, you know? So here we get, like, a little meta scream moment. They get, uh... So they get up off the ground after the explosion knocked them. And Wayland is like, well, now what? And Jason comes out, uh, out of one of the side doors... And Janessa's like, uh, now basically we die. Oh, I hated that line, dude. That was fucking cringy. Oh, see, yeah, that's actually one of my favorite lines in this. Uh, nah, every line from Janessa after this, I think, is dumb as hell. Her last line is just, ugh. No, her last line is dumb. I think this line's actually kind of like, I don't know, I like this line. I think it's kind of like meta. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, yeah, Jason. Maybe that's so wait, maybe that's how she copes with it. She thinks she's gonna, she thinks she's about to die, so she makes a shitty joke. <laughs> hey, it's better than what Kira did. Right. Yeah. So Jason has the three of them cornered. Like they try to shoot him, and the gun's out of ammo. Well, <laughs> who should? I like this. Wayland is like bullshit, and he tries to <laughs> like shoot Jason, but the gun's empty. <laughs> well, who should show up? When Sunaran uh, and uh, his upgraded uh, KM. See, Sunaran upgraded her with his dick. Yeah, he's like, I gave her an upgrade. And I'm like, yeah, you gave her an upgrade with something because she's wearing BDSM gear. <laughs> yeah, she's got this, what even, like a leather, like corset thing but she's got like bullets on the like straps of it which looks pretty cool yeah i know tits are bigger now i think he gave her an upgrade in the booby <laughs> department too but this is cool because she uh yeah she shows up and you know she's wielding guns and jason uh jason's having none of this because he just throws his machete right into her chest i gotta say something this scene with KM, like what she's about to do, kicking Jason's ass. Did you ever see the theatrical trailer for this movie? No, I haven't ever seen the trailer. Is that what it was? It was just this scene of KM like doing the flips and shooting and kicking Jason's ass to the soundtrack. Let the bodies hit the floor. Really? See, that's a cool trailer. It was. It is, it is one of my favorite Jason trailers. I'll have to uh, I'll have to look that up. But yeah, because she so Jason throws the machete through her and he walks up and just as he grabs it from her chest, she does the whole Halloween 2018 thing of like, gotcha. And, and she shoots him and he goes fucking flying, dude. Yeah, she basically like shoots him and like sends him flying down into this other room. 
And she hops down there, and yeah, we get this. It's, it's an awesome scene because she like pulls out two pistols and just fucking shoots the shit out of Jason. She's doing like flips and kicks on him, and but you know they're speeding up the film when she does yeah. like that, when she flips down the like hallway and like a somersault and then kicks him. Yeah, so she yeah she uh they definitely are speeding up the film, but like she's like pick punching the shit out of Jason. Well, Jason like grabs her and throws her down, and just as he's got his machete, does he have his machete I, up? Well, yeah. I like this scene because like she kicks him down and like screams and like gets on him like cowgirl style and says giddy up. Well, then he punches her in the face, <laughs> and he goes to get her with the machete. Well, Brodsky comes up. He goes, ah, and he stabs Jason in the shoulder with a, like, a little, like, what, like a marine knife or something? Yeah, yeah, he stabs him in the arm with the knife, and that's when Cam's like, thanks for the help, but I got it. And doesn't he see, like, no problem or something? So she uh, takes her two machine guns, and she shoots an opening in the wall. Well, Jason goes to, like, raise his machete, and she just fucking, like, blows his arm right off. Yeah, that was awesome when she was, like, crossing her arms and shooting around him. And then doesn't she, like, kick him through the wall? Well, I love, like, Jason's response. Like, she shoots his arm off, and he looks at his stump and then looks at her like, you fucking bitch. (laughs) So he kicks her, she kicks him through the wall. And he gets back up. Well, he ta- he she takes out this bigger gun with like these explosive bullets, and she blows his one leg right off. Yeah, so that he, was badass. So he falls onto the nano uh, tech table and breaks it. Well, he you know that's not gonna stop Jason. So he gets back up. She shoots another round, blows his fucking like rib cage open. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't stop him. He starts getting back. At this point, it's like, wow, this guy just does not fucking care. I forgot about this part because the next round takes off his head, right? Oh, yep. Like this, like they, they she does it. She kills Jason. Yeah, like she, there's like like a quarter of his hockey mask and skull left. Like she literally blows his fucking brain to smithereens, uh, like, which is pretty fucking cool. It's a like, good scene. Like, don't tell me that Jason can regenerate this shit. <laughs> so what do you what do you think of this scene, though, Cordell? Fun, good action scene? Oh, I love this scene, dude. Like, it shows that it, it really kind of shows that all these years. All they had to do. Well, no, they do blow Jason up in the last movie. But it didn't kill kill him. Yeah, well, even in this movie, you know, it's not going to work because someone's going to come along and eat his heart. (laughs) But no, they she like she just blows his head off, like pops his head, basically, and he's done. And I love how like she like the final fuck you is she picks up his machete and throws the machete into his corpse. Yeah, that was a cool like kind of like final fuck you. Oh, this. So the other people uh, roll up. Did you catch what KM said the sooner on though? She's like, "Who's your mama?" I'm like, "What the fuck?" There is so much kinky shit in this movie. <laughs> yeah, like, this is this is like a hoardy space Friday the Thirteenth. It's so strange. 
Um, but yeah, KM has killed uh, killed Jason. And yeah, I, I like this scene a lot. It's just a fun time to like. You know, I, it never gets old watching Jason get shot. You know what I mean? You know what's hilarious though? The professor's dead. If Janessa was gonna know the professor was gonna die, she wouldn't have had to have embarrassed herself and like slept with a man that was like half her age. Oh, come on. It's the future. It's free love, you know? It's, uh... I don't know. I don't think the professor was that good looking. <laughs> well, anyway. So but, they, uh, they take Bronski back to the lab and uh, they patch him up and they're like, is he going to be okay? Of course. He's only at like, you know, 80% or whatever. This guy's tough. Um, and... Yeah, well, the ship shakes, and Wayland goes and checks uh, the computer, and Janessa's like, Wayland? And basically, because of crashing into the Solaris space station, the hull is completely uh, compromised. Yeah, so we found out that they're, uh, I think, what what do they say? It's a... The hole is bleeding out, I think is how they say it. And uh, so basically they come up with the plan to, uh, I think Rowan points out, they can separate the like part that's like kind of hurting them, but they have to go out and blow up some walkways. And it should be said, this is also the part where their distress signal gets answered by another ship. And they're like, well, we can be there in 45 minutes. Um, But they realize that they only have like a half hour. Yeah, so, Way- um, so Waylander and Janessa are basically like, well, hold your course. We're going to try, like, you know, try something. And they come up with this, this idea that they basically have to go out and, like, blow up all these walkways between okay, the Okay, but we the cannot ignore the, the fact that we, we can't ignore that Waylander was just going to doom themselves all to die because he tells the – he tells the other ship, he's like, eh, if you can't get here in this amount of time, don't even worry about it. And Janessa's like, what, are you fucking high? He's like, and then she's like, yeah, don't, uh, don't listen to that idiot. Oh, he's just being, uh, being realistic, you know. But so, yeah, so they're basically, um, you know, Brodsky's back up on his feet at this point. So they're all like, all right, let's split up, go, uh, plant charges on all of these, uh, all these bridges. And we cut back, though, to Jason's body. And, and somehow, we, like, the ma- the evil of Jason just suddenly starts possessing the computer. Yeah, that was kind of interesting to me, because the computer starts up, and it's like, you know, nanite regeneration starting. And then it's like, there's not enough tissue, uh, you know, abort. But then it says, like, you know, abort denied. And I'm like, I think you're right. I think it is just the evil of Jason. You know, the willpower. Yeah, there's like some type of what there is some other force here that like gets him resurrected because logistically speaking, there should have been no way that this computer kicked on and began a regeneration sequence. Jason's uh, demonic force is just that powerful. Jason's like, yeah, fuck you. You ain't getting rid of me that much. And we get a cool shot. I do like the nanites, the ants that swarm over Jason. And how, like, they spread out. Yeah, because I guess they're, like, gathering material to, like, reform him. Um, 
Well, it is not really even a big moment for it, is there? Like, we just, uh, they're, like, planting charges, and so all of a sudden... They plant a charge, and then, like, the ship shakes, and then Jason just comes through, like, the smoke in the doorway, and this is where we get introduced to Uber Jason. What do you think about Uber Jason, Cordell? I think he looks fucking awesome. Yeah, I agree. I, I um... Yeah, I mean, there's a couple moments where it looks a little plasticky, but overall, I think the look is fucking cool. I love his, like, arm that's, like, robot and flesh or whatever. Kane Harder did say that this was some of the, like, most difficult makeup to ever work in. Oh, I'm sure. Because I bet was... he can barely move in it. <laughs> yeah, he said there really wasn't a whole lot of, like, arm movement available to him. But yeah, he's got like a whole new mask, and I love his red eyes. I think those. I know are... the red eyes are fucking great. And he even has a new machete. Um. I didn't even yeah. notice that. I, for some reason, I thought he, like he just went back and picked up the old machete that he, the like surgical tool that he used. Nah, because the, the one he has now doesn't have it doesn't have any serrations on it. So somehow he picks up a whole new whole new machete. But yeah, he looks fucking badass coming out of the smoke and fire and stuff. And uh, he does look fucking cool. And so KM, uh, you know, pulls out her guns and starts shooting Jason, and all the bullets just bounce off of him now. Yeah, because we'll now he's made now he's made of like whatever the ship's made of. Yeah, he's made of, like, steel and shit. He's made of Grendel. <laughs> well, she, like, flip kicks up to him and, you know, tries uh, doing some of the kung fu on him, and it all just, like, bounces right off him. And I love when she turns her head around. She's like, you guys what, probably want to run. Well, uh, Jason. Yeah, he pulls a. Uh... No, what was that character's name in he, Manhattan? He pulls a Julius. Yes. He just punches her head right off. And uh, so Suneron grabs KM's head. Well, Jason grabs he, Waylander. Yeah, I love this. I love this scene because uh, Suneron, without complete disregard to his own well-being, he jumps forward to save KM's head because, you know, he's going to need some, something to suck him off later. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, we better save at least the head. He needs to save a head to get some head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so Waylander, he knocks Waylander around and then uh, Rowan tries to step in to stop him. And he uh, he just grabs Rowan by the neck and starts strangling her. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like one of those choke me harder daddy moments. <laughs> How does how does Rowan get off of him? I can't remember. Uh, Waylander attacks him again. Oh, does he? So he yeah. So he drops Rowan. He starts fucking up Waylander. And the rest of them run out and like seal the door. Yeah, he tells them all to um. Janessa tells him to get in there and he t- and she sends a call to Broski says you need to get your ass up here right now. I like when Broski comes he's like what the hell is going on? Jason fucking Voorhees, that's what's going on. Yeah, that was a good line. So he looks uh through the porthole and he says blow the room 
and he's like, Waylander's got the charges. Or well, Waylander, you know, he this one of the reasons why I like Waylander is he sacrifices himself basically. And he just goes, Hey, asshole. He's got the little detonator and then he like blows the ship. Yeah, that was a cool moment. I did like that character. So it uh so the plan works. They are in the uh, pontoon part of the ship, and they blow and they separate it from the rest of the uh, Grendel. Yep, everything's going well. And they even, I think this is when they get a call from the, like, escape vessel, or the, you know, the pod from the other ship. But all of a sudden, Jason just fucking punches his arm right through the uh, the one wall. Then he causes this uh, this, like, whole suction effect in the airlock. Now I didn't. Now this I felt kind of went on for a little too long. Yeah, we do get like a lot of like the characters are like struggling to reach the door, and uh, especially Janessa, who's like the closest to Jason, like she's hanging onto the grate, and yeah, it goes on for a while. She's like trying to crawl up to the the door, and so Janessa grabs a hold of one of the grates, where that grate comes loose and goes over the hole, but it's still sucking. Uh, the vacuum into the space and can i forget how does how does like it's pretty stupid because uh what's her name because doesn't it doesn't janessa just eventually let go yeah there's not even a good reason because rowan and brodsky are like trying to reach her and their hands are like almost there and, and like Janessa just kind of gives up and she yeah. says the best like the dumbest line in the whole movie. I hate this line. And this sucks on so many levels and she gets sucked into space and it is not uh I don't think we really see like her body. No, like, this sucks, dude, cuz she she goes through that grate, through that tiny hole. And then they cut to it, there's like a little bit of meat on it. There's, there's like, like a nothing. little bit of meat. There's like a little bit of meat and some blood, but like we don't see her body like basically get turned into mesh. Yeah, I they, I guess they didn't have the budget for it, but that was kind of disappointing. Yeah, you know yeah. that could have been way cooler. I don't know. I like Janessa's character. I kind of like her aloof stupidness. So it's kind of kind of sad to see. Basically one of, I don't know, out of all the women in this movie, I think Rowan and Janessa were the most attractive. Eh. Well, well, KM too, but. I don't know. I, I, I come around to Rowan by the end, but I never really liked Janessa. So, yeah, kind of sad to see Janessa go. And everyone else is kind of upset by it too. Like, they feel like, shit, wait, like, we almost got away. But, um. So after Janessa dies, uh, Jason uh, just starts ripping. Like, they get through the door and they seal it off. Jason just starts, like, just rips a hole right into the fucking wall. Yeah, he gets on board the ship. Well, the this is when the, the other vessel, the, like, and rescue you know what pod. But Janessa dies and Jason starts ripping a bigger hole in the wall. and But miraculously, the vacuum... Uh, the vacuum of space is has like conveniently stopped. Like it's not sucking Jason back out in space. 
Well, Jason, Jason's too strong for the vacuum of space, man. He can, he can handle it. But yeah, so this is when the the other ship rolls up, and I did like this effect where like they deploy all the doors of like the blue, um, you know, like tunnel. I thought that was cool. And uh, but they realize in their control room that basically they have no power to the outer doors, and the ship is starting to blow up. So Brodsky basically comes up with the plan that they need to, uh, you know, do a spacewalk, and uh, then they'll be able to restore the power. So so Brodsky basically dons this like red kind of straight out of 2001 uh, spacesuit, and he goes out into space, and uh, basically he's like communicating with Rowan, like you know, you work on this circuit while I work on this one, sort of thing. And in the meantime, we see like Jason is like busting down doors, like he's moving towards them, and the ship is blowing up. So and the uh, I, I like this. So Sunaround's like, those doors aren't gonna stop him. And then he looks at Ron, he's like, You're the expert on this guy, right? So they get an idea to slow Jason down using the um the virtual reality room. Yeah, it's kind of weird that this scene comes like ten minutes before the end of the movie, isn't it? So they uh so he plugs um KM's head into the computer and sets up a rendering of 1980s Crystal Lake. But uh he kind of fucks up here at first because he forgets to add teenagers. Uh, did you did you notice so yeah so Jason walks into this room and all of a sudden it um you know it becomes Crystal Lake and I did really like though that just for the scene they did bring back the uh old score. I did notice that that's actually in the trivia. I really like that. That was really cool. And um, but Jason, you know, Jason's a little smarter these days, I think, because he like looks around. And he's kind of like, what the fuck? But then um, he keeps moving towards a doorway. He's going to the cabin. I mean, that's that's the thing. Jason likes his cabins. He does. And, and I, love, I love the line. He's like, whoops. What do you mean? Whoops. Nothing. No, you don't just say oops. What oops? <laughs> I love that. I love it when they call that kind of bullshit out in movies. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, oh, shit, we better get something to distract them. So they virtualize in two teenagers. And this <laughs> is kind of, I don't know if I think this is I don't know if I think this I think I don't know if I think the first part of this is funny or not. It's kind of like a little too meta on the nose. I think so. It's I got a piece of trivia about this if you want. Yeah. Neither casting director Robin Cook nor director Isaac James or James Isaac, sorry, initially wanted to do the virtual reality scene with the naked campers. Cook was so adamant the scene was nothing but gratuitous nudity that she refused to cast the roles of the two topless girls, relegating those duties to her casting assistant, Andrea Cool. Isaac agreed that it was clearly just nudity for nudity's sake and that the only way he could justify it is if they had fun with it and poked fun at it, including naked teens in the films. The two actresses cool ended up casting Kay Penaflor and Tania Mero were very excited about doing the scene because it was the biggest film either of them ever appeared in. Well, good for you, girls. But, uh, but, yeah, so basically the scene is constantly, Jason walks up on these two, uh, 
uh, girls who are supposed to be teens, but they clearly have to be like 18 or over. Because he's like, hey, you want to smoke some pot? Or have, you want a beer? <laughs> you want a beer? Or do you want to smoke some pot? Or how about some premarital sex? And then they take their tops off, revealing their boobs, and goes, we love premarital sex. Yeah, that was kind of – it is kind of funny when they, like, say it and synchronize and then just get into the uh, sleeping bag. Um, and they both kind of get this, like, weird, like, kind of robotic look that was sort of creepy. It, it is very creepy. But uh, Jason doesn't care if they're fake or not because this gives him a chance to relive one of his most iconic kills. And, dude, as much as, like, it, it is the best jump cut in this movie because we cut back to Sooner on – and he's like, I think it's working. And it's like laugh out loud because we got back to Jason. He's just beating the fuck out of one girl with the other. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. He's like just like a fucking hammer, like just. <clears throat> and the girls are like. It, I can't really tell if the girls are like a mix of like screaming and laughing. Yeah, I don't know, but it's just because, yeah, it's it's a callback to part seven, which a lot of people, I, I think, think is the best kill in the series. I don't know. So, he, um, but it's hilarious. So after he's done beating the one girl, he takes the girl in the other um, sleeping bag and, yeah, does a rehash of the part seven kill where he just slams it against the tree. But and uh, I, I will say that whole sequence is pretty inspired. I think that's hilarious. But uh, so Sunaran's like, and eh, he's done with the campers. And KM's like, got a fun line. He's like, wow, he's good. Too good. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, So, yeah, so they basically. But right in time, they uh, they fix the power and get the doors open. I know I didn't uh, like I didn't like this moment for Rowan, though, because she kind of like goes into like. Janessa territory where the door doesn't open and she just gets like whining goes you piece of crap <laughs> oh I didn't mind that but then but again, yeah, they, I, I guess you can't you gotta feel a little bad for her because like she's been through so much bullshit at this point yeah she's sick of Jason's shit she's sick of all this shit I mean, so they if, get if you, if you were like if you were frozen for 400 years because of Jason and then the motherfucker follows you into the future. I guess you'd be sick of him, too. Yeah, I'd be pissed. I don't know about you. But, yeah, so they, they finally get the door open. And they, uh, sooner sooner on, I think it's, like, thrown across the room or something. But you get the sense he's kind of, like, injured. Yeah, he's uh, thrown across the room and injured. So they, they run into the, uh, um ship that saving them and it's like oh shit i forgot km14's head yeah what's he gonna do for the voyage home yeah rowan's there (laughs) he could have himself some military 400 i guess i guess rowan doesn't want that though because she's like all right i'll go do it so she runs back and gets the head yeah i guess she's gonna be the one getting head tonight and, dude, I love this moment, though, when Jason walks in and he's about to go after him when the door slams. Yep, we get, like, a shot of a hand hitting a console, and it's Brodsky. Dude, Brodsky's a badass. So, I, 
we get two people in this movie who do the noble thing of sacrificing themselves. Did they both have to be black, though? <laughs> yeah, that is true. Isn't it? Like the black, like the black people sacrificing themselves nobly for the white people. Well, at least Brodsky. I love the shot where like it's very brief, where it's like Brodsky and Jason, and like it's like a fighting game shot, and they like just as the ship blows up, they start fighting. You know what I'm I talking like, about? Yes, I do. I like the. That's a cool down. shot. I like the stare down, like Brodsky staring at Jason, and Jason's like red eyes keep like opening wide and shit, like he's like all pissed. Yeah, this is a good like I I, I give Brodsky some. Brodsky is like a million times better than Julius, right? We'll put it that way. Like you actually believe Brodsky could take on Jason, and uh, it's kind of sad we don't get a proper fight. Actually, how cool would that be? I know, Brodsky, the outfit that Brodsky's wearing, it almost kind of makes him look like a Marine from, uh, from like, Halo or something. Yeah, you wish you, you, you wish we could have gotten a little bit more of, like, a, you know, the two of them, like, beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, like, where he's like, fuck you, you stabbed me. But, yeah, just as a, uh, as the escape pod uh gets out the the ship blows up and this is a good explosion Cordell. i like yeah. this no no this is a good explosion and i like the i like the moment like they see jason coming at him through space yeah jason won't stop and they're like <laughs> he's coming i like Rowan. she's like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> but once again as you point out brodsky comes out of nowhere did you notice cordell in the shot I swear to God, it's the actor, like, swinging on a rope. It has to be. Because he it, just, like, swings in so perfectly. It feels like it. it it's kind of weird because it's, like, the way the two kind of turn. Like, so he flies by and he grabs Jason. But, like, it does, like, that scene of space, like, where it's, like, they, like, their trajectory kind of, like, goes at an angle. Mm-hmm. And for a moment, I could have swore, like, Brodsky had, like, a fucking jetpack on or something. Yeah, well, the thing I don't like, I'll just get to it right now, is we get this, like, weird shot of, like, Brodsky riding Jason. Down through later. the spiel. Yeah, I was like, that's that looks pretty stupid. <laughs> Did you notice Brodsky's, like, punching him in the face, though? He's punching him, and he's, like, holding on to him so he can't go anywhere. I did like that. But, yeah, I mean... So then we cut back, and I mean, the, the, our two, Rowan and Sooneron, they don't even, like, I don't know, they say some bullshit, like it's over they, or something. They, uh, she looks out the window to Earth and says it's beautiful, and Sooneron says it's over, and KM's like, I'll be on my, I'll be back on my two feet in no time once I get some. He's like, I'll work on it right away. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, don't uh, don't come into the the other room. Ugh. I gotta work on KM if you know what I mean, and I think you do. Yeah, I gotta work on like. I didn't think I'd be experiencing that on this podcast. But <laughs> now our listeners and me get to get to enjoy them. But yeah, so we uh we cut back to Earth 2, and Earth 2 can't be so bad, Cordell, because, you know, t- uh, horny teens get to hang out by the lake still. I'm sorry, but that lake looks so fucking fake. <laughs> it did look pretty green screeny. It looks like it's like you couldn't film two kids at an actual lake. 
But uh, I don't think they kill Jason off because literally they're like, look at the shooting star. Oh, it landed in the lake. Let's go check it out. And then we cut to the mask falling to the bottom of the lake. See, I just I, I for some reason, I felt like maybe Jason burned up in the atmosphere and his mask was always left. Oh, no, I totally take it as like, you know, Jason now is haunting Crystal Lake on Earth 2. It's it's very possible. And I know I'm pretty sure there are some like Jason X books or comics or something that like are a sequel, right? They pick up afterwards. There were some comics that had like like Uber Jason going up against like OG Jason. Weird. How'd that happen? I don't know. I never got a chance to read them. But uh, with the final, the screen cuts to black, and that is Jason X. So, uh, you want me to get some trivia in here? Because I was kind of lacking on trivia tonight. Yeah, yeah, get, get, get a little trivia in here. All right. At around 39 minutes, Brodsky mentions a gun the soldiers are suiting up with called the BFG. This is a callback to the PS games Doom and Quake, as the most powerful weapon in the game, BFG, stands for Bio Force Gun or Big Fucking Gun. Mm-hmm. Nearly every single actor in this film is Canadian, locals hired from Toronto. And that shows Kane Hodder's final appearance as Jason. Ken Kurtzner assumed the role for Freddy vs. Jason. And Derek Mears took over for the Friday the 13th reboot. The film's script was made through a public contest where people willing to participate sent in the script. Oh my god. This movie was literally made through a public contest. Are you fucking kidding me? Jesus. So, so literally someone just watched Pinhead 3. Or Hell, uh, Hellraiser 4. And said, hey, you know what would make this idea better? If it was Jason. Oh my god. Yeah. That, mm, I don't know how I feel about that. Because... Jim Isaac wanted the acting in his film to blow every other Friday movie out of the water. Ha! Which it doesn't. The rehearsals were videotaped on a camcorder for Isaac, who would then view them afterwards to get ideas from seeing his characters in action. Oh my god. Dude, the acting in this movie, I mean, I get more acting out of the teenagers than Jason Lives. Yeah, the acting in this movie, I I dare say, I feel, well, yeah, you know what? I think Jason Goes to Hell had better acting. I really do. Jason Goes to Hell? I mean, what, okay, is the acting worse in this or in part eight? Ooh, that's a tough call. Um, Ah, fuck you, I got you. I think the acting's better here than part eight. All right, I'll give you that one. fuck you. I think the acting in... I think the acting is like the same. 
Yeah, you're probably right. Part eight, like part eight had that fucking Rennie and the other guy and it had the annoying ass uncle. No, the te- the professor is better than the uncle in part eight and Rowan is better than Rennie and Sooneron is better than Sean. So boom, Jason okay. X wins. Okay, Rowan may be better than Rennie and Sean might be worse than Sunaran because at least I know Sunaran wants to fuck his android. But I almost feel like the professor and the uncle in part eight are like the same. Like they're both just skeezy. Like you don't think much of them at first and then like, oh shit, they're really just piece of shit characters. But yeah, I don't know. I felt like at least part eight had Kelly Hugh. Yeah, for like 10 minutes. Yeah, but I mean, that's still Kelly Hugh. I like Kelly Hugh. All Um, right, all right. The idea of Uber Jason originated in a rejected Freddy vs. Jason script. In the script, Jason and his movies... Jason and his movies are only movies, but are based on real-life Jason, who isn't a zombie or deformed, who was on trial for his murders as the main heroine... In his def- is his defense lawyer inspired by the O.J. Simpson trials. I have heard about this. I don't know what coked up guy was like. Freddy's versus Freddy Jason Kruger, needs to have like. On. Wait a minute. As Freddy Krueger tries to enter onto Jason's chest into reality near the climax, once Freddy enters our world, he kills people in a shopping mall, which is then set on fire. And during the theaters, plays a Jason movie called Jason 2010, which. Features a holy shit, I'm reading this and this is fucking stupid. Hmm. Yeah, I know that the history of Freddy versus Jason is like a crazy, like, they had some really stupid ideas. <laughs> the original script featured a scene where two space truckers would find the chamber before their comrades did. Jason would awake and escape and have them take Rowan aboard where he follows them. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, Lexa Doig and Lisa Ryder, who played Rowan and KM, had to be released from Jason X by a certain date to start Andromeda. Man, I really hope that they looked at this movie and said, yeah, we want you Andromeda. I guess I could see it for those two because they're like really the only two badass females in this movie. All right, here, I, I got a piece of trivia. Okay. Once David Cronenberg came on board, he noticed some problems with the script and began rewriting most of his character's lines. How many lines does this character have, Cordell? Uh, Like four? Yeah, maybe like. And he had to rewrite it. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, Um, my God. Let's see. New Line Cinema loved the script so much they gave the film three times the budget of the most expensive previous film in the series. However, during production, budget was still wasn't big enough for creating sets and effects, leaving many scenes in the script to be changed or cut completely. No. Interestingly, it's the first Friday film that was rated um, like PG-13 over in the UK. Um, 
Give me a minute. I'm just. Although the movie's known to have roughly 28 kills, Todd Farmer would confirm the movie has actually over 20,000 deaths due to the Grendel ship's destruction of the Solaris space station. This included 19,000 people, 207 dogs, 17 cats, 4,713 angelfish, guppies, neons, and molly, <laughs> three gerbils, four rats, a pony, and a Komodo dragon. That we either blown up or sucked into space. That is way too much thought into that scene. That's just Todd Farmer just being a, you know, hilarious, like, uh, jerk. That is, like, really, like, way too much was thought was put into that explosion. Uber Jason, along with the Grendel map, was going to be added to the Friday the 13th game. And, uh, what was that character? Uh, Brodsky was intended to be a playable character. However, the the every it was all um, canceled due to the lawsuit between Victor Media regarding Victor Miller and Gun Media. All future updates have been canceled. It is unknown if they will ever be added to the game once the lawsuit is finalized. Probably not, because I think Gun Media officially shut down. Well, like, they didn't shut down the servers for the game, I don't think. But, like, you can't, like, when you don't add to a game after so after such a period of time, it's hard to go in and do anything else. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the game's pretty much dead thanks to the lawsuit, which is very sad. Uh, the film is included on Robert, on Roger Ebert's most hated list. <laughs> I can believe that. Um, let me see. The character Janessa was originally named Jessica after Sean Cunningham's sister. Oh, jeez. All right, wrap it up, Google. Oh, here you go. Uber Jason doesn't have a face under his mask. If he did, it wouldn't fit in his mask. Kane Hodder just had contacts that matched his eyes put in. That way, the mask could hide Hodder's face while filming the movie. Interesting. I mean, that makes sense. And I just want to quickly look through this. Tri- uh, you know how, like, the trivia has, like, sport, like under a spoilers thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just quickly... Pamela Voorhees was... Get- was thought to maybe show up in this movie but they couldn't uh come to an agreement with betsy palmer and the same thing for freddy versus jason too which i don't know if i'd want betsy palmer and freddy versus jason i don't know i don't know if i'd want that i well i don't know i mean for the scenes with her i think that would have worked but yeah they mentioned the mythbusters test here Okay, I'll I'll wrap it up with this since we uh kind of you know mention like the ending. The ending where Jason's mask lands in the lake on Earth 2 was left open for a possible sequel. The critical and financial failure of the film, however, led to the possibility of a sequel being abandoned. It's highly likely that he died for good anyway, though this question will likely never be answered as we didn't see Jason's final state in the movie. Because this movie 
was considered a critical and financial failure. However, it made triple the cost of production in DVD and post-theater sales, statistically making it one of the more successful Friday films. And I call bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone considers this film successful. This movie made 14 million, like 17 million at the box office. That's its final sale, not DVD VHS sales. Fuck that. <laughs> okay so just, right, i yeah. got yeah and i just real quick to add on to that uh, i just wanted to note that there was a series of novels jason x the experiment jason x planet of the beast jason x death moon and jason x to the third power and i cannot find what those are about so who the hell knows i'm sure maybe somebody has a copy of them somewhere in their basement <laughs> Uh, so Jason X, Luke, big O, high, medium, low, or are we cutting our dick off for this? Well, I got to say, Cordell, after our last two Friday films we covered, this one's a little disappointing. You know, uh, there's nothing in this movie that's quite as bonkers and crazy as, you know, Jason, boy Jason turning Asian and then, you know. <laughs> being a statue in the middle of New York, you know, there's nothing as and there's nothing as crazy as Jason X's entirety, which is just I mean, I think we spent like three hours talking about that movie. Um, so in that in some ways, this is a, a more straightforward movie, right? Take Jason, stick him in space, put the cast of aliens against him and, you know, let Jason uh, do his thing. I, I mean, I think we've talked about there's so there's a little bit of like weirdness, like everyone in this cast is like horny. Um, I mean, there's some cool moments. I think Kane Hodder really does good as Jason. Some of the kills are inspired, obviously, the head smash, the guy cut in half. I think Brodsky makes for a badass space marine sergeant um, going up against Jason, but. Overall, I mean, I know a lot of people think of this movie as like a fun return to form, but I don't know. I'm still left a little cold on it. It's uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's an easy watch. You know, there's there's nothing terrible. The sequence where KM fights Jason is amazing. Uber Jason looks pretty cool. But yeah, I don't know. Overall, I'm still there's. There's just a lot of stuff here that, like, doesn't work, as much of it does work. Like, there's a lot of cringy lines. Um, like, the Space Marine sequences, a lot of that is in the dark. It's tough to see what's going on. So, I mean, I don't really know what to say about this one, Cordell. I guess uh, what I give Jason Goes to Hell, a medium? I'll be <laughs> controversial. I'm going to say I like Jason Goes to Hell a little bit more than this movie, just because Jason Goes to Hell is so bug nuts fucking crazy. <laughs> that like you know you blink and jason goes to hell and the guy's like being you know shaven in bdsm then you blink again and another guy is like melting into the floor you know and shit like that whereas this movie's pretty much like it's like yeah it's jason in space it's pretty good as jason in space so uh, uh, i cut my dick off for manhattan i gave hell a medium I I can't go higher than a low. I really can't. I mean, it's not bad. It's it's better than a low, probably. But for me, it's a low. So low recommend. I mean, if you've watched up to this point, watch this one. But 
Freddy versus Jason, I think, is the one you really want to get to after this. Well, you pretty much kind of took everything out of my mouth because I was going to give this movie a low. Um, I I don't know. I went in and I remembered this as being one of my favorite Jason movies for some reason because I liked its campiness and I do like its campiness. But revisiting it after watching Manhattan, after watching Ghost to Hell, there's just something about this movie that just doesn't have the magic that those movies did have. I mean, yeah, there's some funny lines that I thought were funny in this, but it's immediately followed up, followed up with a groaner. Like, I don't know, this sucks on so many levels. This movie really just feels like nothing more than a cheap alien ripoff with Jason in it. They took the plot of Hellraiser 4, put Jason in it, added a whole shit ton of references to Alien, and just kind of really shat this out in 2001 while everyone was getting was gearing up and waiting for Freddy vs. Jason. So I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. I'm kind of disappointed that after like the blood and guts of Jason Goes to Hell... That this movie is so tame in its violence. Um, like I said, I think Rowan and Janessa, I think the attractive characters. I think it's weird that Sunaran wants to fuck an android and not an actual human being. <laughs> I think it's very weird uh. that one moment the professor is bitching about money and next thing you know he's like wearing purple lingerie getting his nipples pinched (laughs) that scene is hilarious like i don't know what's going on with that i don't know why that's even here um so yeah i'm i'm gonna give it a low it's not a cut my dick off but it's not it's not a medium. It's not Jason goes to hell. It's not a big O. It's not Jason lives. It's not a high. It's what did you What did you give Manhattan? Oh my gosh! I either gave Manhattan a high or a medium. You like Manhattan better than this? Yes. Interesting. Simply because I just have a lot more fun with Manhattan. Like, oh, see, I, I disagree. I, th- I think this is more fun than Manhattan. This is bland fun. Manhattan is just bad. You see, I just don't agree with that. I think Manhattan has its moments of campy goodness. But where I think Manhattan is campy. Because he- here's the thing for me, Luke, is the idea of Jason going to New York. I could work with that. I could buy that. I would like that. I would love to see Jason on a Broadway play of cats and just fucking up those felines. (laughs) There is a reason. There is a saying that says, if you want to kill your franchise, you send it to outer space. You never get a good result when you send your icon to outer space. It didn't work with Pinhead. It didn't hey, work. I like Hellraiser 4, sir. 
Yeah, but like, most people don't. Yeah, that's that's um, very true. <laughs> it didn't work for Leprechaun. I think when people think of Leprechaun, they think of him going to the hood. They don't like him going to space. It didn't work for Dracula when they sent him to outer space. Like, what was that called? Dracula 3000? Yeah, I'm trying to think who who else is going to space. I mean, the critters did, but they're creatures from space, so. Um, people have always joked about putting Freddy or Michael Myers in space, and I'm like, that is a horrible fucking idea. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you would even put fucking. To me, go into space is a lazy idea because. You can have horror movies that are set in space, but you're always going to set them up for comparison to like movies like Alien. And to me, this is just not an original idea. Putting oh, Jason, yeah, I mean, putting Jason in Manhattan, taking Jason to New York City in the 80s, that might have been an original idea. It would have been like, so out there like oh my gosh we're taking jason from this small camping ground to the to the big apple by the time this came out like i said pinhead and leprechaun had already gone to outer space and you know i i think going to new york now now that's not an original idea i mean shit ghostface is going to New York in a couple months and people already making jokes being like oh I I hope this is better than Jason when Jason went to New York but (laughs) yeah to me this movie is just not as fun to me as Jason Takes Manhattan like I can watch this movie and enjoy it I can watch Manhattan and enjoy it but if I had to rank them Manhattan is higher on my list Interesting, interesting. It'd be interesting to do, I I think we only have part seven left to do of the Kane Hodder films. Yes, we still have to cover part seven. And then we got to cover Freddy versus Jason. But, I mean, we have tackled, so I like to think of Cordell, I don't know what you think, in the Friday series, I kind of consider part, maybe part six, but definitely seven through Freddy vs. Jason, is like what I like to consider the comic book Jason, right? Where you just kind of have to think of each movie as like, think of like a comic book, like one-off, right? Like Jason versus Carrie, Jason in New York, what if Jason was a body-hoppy demon? What if Jason went to space? You know what I mean? What if Jason came back like Frankenstein? Yeah, like, you get what I'm saying there? Like, I definitely consider the last half of the franchise is more of, like, kind of one-off, like, even though there is continuity. But, like, you know, each movie has a gimmick, right? I mean, and I, I, I think some of them do the gimmick better than others. Yeah, definitely for that. Like, I I think what the listeners have seen on this show, you and I have our difference of opinions concerning Part 8. But, oh, it's so terrible. But uh, no, I so yeah, I, my final verdict is a low for Jason X. 
it is a movie that I will revisit once in a while if I just want some background noise on. Uh, but I think if I was having a marathon, I think this would be one of the last movies I watch. Oh, I forgot to ask you. Did you watch it with the Kane Hodder introduction? Yes, I fucking love that. That was pretty funny. So if that you was, uh, have this. made a lot more sense than the fucking than last fucking weeks. <laughs> Adam Marcus being like, thanks for buying my movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those of our listeners who don't know, uh, if you have the Scream Factory Blu-ray, Kane Hodder basically says, you know, enjoy watching the movie. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> And then he goes like this, and then he just throws the camera around and says, now lay there. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Kane Hodder. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you tonight for joining us on this episode of Cinecult Podcast. We will be back again with another movie, probably not Friday the 13th. I think I want to... <laughs> yeah, gonna, we need to we need to get Cordell out of Friday the Thirteenth Hell, so it'll be something else. We need to uh, me and Luke will discuss our options, and we will see you next time on this uh, Cinecult Haven. So thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good night. And, and it's not going to be the Grinch. Have a good night, folks. <laughs> yeah, no, not the Grinch. Uh, we need to we need to find something. That you have to wait. You have to wait nine months for the Grinch. <laughs> we we need something that's like revolves around like love or something like that, like Valentine's Day, but not like you know, a, not like a soap opera drama, because I don't do that shit. Uh, thank you guys. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor.